77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. State police and federal agents could be heard telling Robert Card to come out with his hands up at his Bowdoin, Maine home, but there was no sign of him. State police tonight say these were standard search warrant announcements when executing warrants to ensure the safety of all involved, and it's not clear if he was here. Sources tell us a suicide note located inside the home did not reveal any motive for the shootings that killed 18 people in Lewiston. The suspect seen here on security camera images before entering the bowling alley. Police say he later opened fire at a bar. Lewiston is mourning the loss of 18 members of the community while still sheltering in place. Businesses are deserted as the manhunt for Card continues with warnings that he's armed and dangerous. We can report um, based on senior military sources that U.S. warplanes have carried out airstrikes tonight inside Syria against Iranian proxy forces. We don't know the number of strikes. Uh, we were told earlier today that to expect that perhaps uh, F-15s and F-16s would be involved in the airstrikes, but we don't have confirmation yet how, about how many warplanes. But those strikes have been carried out, I'm told. Uh, it is in response to the more than dozen strikes against U.S. bases. Uh, the message is a clear message designed uh, to Iran and its proxy forces to stop carrying out these uh, drone and rocket attacks against U.S. bases. Um, but I'm told that the planes have safely left the area and that the airstrikes uh, are complete at this time. Um, they were uh, targeting multiple locations inside Syria and Iran Iranian proxy forces. BT. Had a nice little dinner the other night with my new best friend, William DeMeo. You familiar with the series Graves End? Yeah, I've watched it. I watched the first four. Okay. The first the first year. Two seasons so far. Yeah, I'm a little bit behind, obviously. Kids busy working. Right. I, I, yeah, of course. It's my neighborhood. My I love wife, it. My wife and I watched the first series as well, or the uh, first season as well, okay. and we enjoyed it. And the second season even better. I'm two episodes in. Okay. And by the way, Dice Clay's in it. The Dice. Sid, who I love. Sid Rosenberg. Is, is he in Dice it. Dice, or is he playing something else? Is he, he Dice Mill? No, he's playing somebody else. Okay. But he, get, he still got that he Dice, dice character. Systems, right? Oh, oh man, great, he's dude. the best. So, and then Sid. Did it, what, they, oh, boy, did it. blue. Oh, needed the money. <laughs> Sid did a great job as well, but I was talking to Willie. Sid's got some acting chops? He's actually not bad. I, I can see that guy. He did a good Sid. job. All right. I get off the train yesterday by Wall Street to take the ferry home, and I see this lovely couple, and they say, I listen to you every day, and I can't wait to meet you and O'Reilly on Friday night. Just a random two people on the streets of Wall Street two days before this event. That's how excited New York yeah, is about O'Reilly. It's a big show. The yeah. boys, the Doyle boys who run the uh, Paramount Theater in Huntington, they're good guys, which is really why I'm doing this. I mean, at that venue, I've, I've known them for years. Um, the buzz is incredible, um, and it's just going to be uh, two hours and 15 minutes of good humor, but with a serious undertone. Um, so anyway, we're looking forward to it, and um, I think there's a few house seats left. It's sold out, but the theater holds back seats, you know, for uh, certain reasons. I think there are a few house seats left, so give the Paramount Theater and Huntington a call if you want to see it.
if you will, of tonight's big show. You heard me and Bill O'Reilly talking about it. That was from yesterday's Sitting Friends in the Morning Show. And after a couple of months now of promoting it and talking about it, it's here later on tonight at the beautiful Paramount Theater out in Huntington, Long Island. It is, as Billy Joel sings about, a New York state of mind starring me and Bill O'Reilly. Doors open, I believe, uh, I believe 7. I got to be there in the 6 o'clock hour. And it's going to be a great night. Like uh, Bill talked about, some serious discussions, some laughs, maybe even cry. I don't know. I think every emotion. I think folks go out there tonight, expect for two hours to think, to laugh, maybe even cry. It's going to be a great show. Great show. And uh, Bill's got a bunch of surprises even for me. I'm talking about special people showing up, and I have no idea what's even going to happen tonight. I just know a car is going to pick up me, Danielle, and Gabriel. I think Gabe may even be on stage later on tonight. Bill did promise to do something special, and Bill has been extremely generous, extremely generous with our charity, the Dyspraxia DCD America Charity that Danielle and I started, inspired by our son, Gabe, who was diagnosed with dyspraxia as a little boy at Miami Children's Hospital, and they forged this uh, really good friendship. Funny, my, my son, Gabe, at this point, is friends with Bill O'Reilly. You may hate him, that's fine, but he's friends with the mayor. The mayor is dyslexic, and my son is dyspraxic. So Gabriel has become sort of a cult hero, him and my mother. Now, Naomi will not be there tonight. She's in upstate New York. She'll be there in spirit. But it will be me, Danielle, and Gabe, and we'll be there in the 6 o'clock hour. But uh, I was told at least some names that uh, will be there tonight, some big, big names in attendance, as well as me and Bill. And then, of course, so many of you that listen every day that Instagram me. Of course, you can follow me on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney. If you're not following me, do it now, at Rosenberg.Sydney on Instagram, Facebook, Sid Rosenberg, Twitter, at Sid Rosenberg. I've gotten so many messages from very recognizable listeners outside, of course, of Patty and Olga, ladies, uh, that are coming tonight, Lynn and, and a bunch of others. So I'm really excited to see all of you. So is Bill. And it's going to be a great show. 
But let me tell you how my day started today. Before I get to Robert Card, the manhunt up in Maine, the airstrikes uh, that we took on yesterday, taking out uh, some Iranian troops in Syria, and even those comments by Brandon Tierney and Sal Licata, the midday show at WFAM. Before I get to all that. So uh, today, I'm. Uh, it's casual Friday. You know, I usually dress very, very nicely. I have to say between Joseph Aboud and uh, my friend Anthony at the garage in Brooklyn, I have purchased some beautiful clothing over the years. Beautiful. And I usually dress very nicely, at least a nice sport jacket every day. But today, I'm a little tired. It's Friday. I got a huge night coming up tonight. So I decided to go with the old Brooklyn look, look, which is uh, sweatpants. I don't mean the Brooklyn look like the DeMeos wore yesterday with, like, a matching sweatsuit. I can never wear that, ever. (laughs) But I am wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt. And my sweatshirt happens to read humble and hungry, which I think is a great message. I think everybody needs to stay or at least become humble and hungry. And hungry. So I walk in, and not one of these bastards, not one on my staff, says to me, nice shirt. Instead, to a man, Lewis, Noam, every one of them, looks at me and starts to laugh. I go, what are you laughing at? What are you laughing at? And Lou said, well, you're at least one of those things. True. I'm curious which one you think it is. I'm still working it out, actually, because I'm trying to figure out. You know, you do realize I have these arguments with even my wife at times, even Daniela, who I love dearly. But certainly, listeners, that all this uh, attitude I have on the air, this quote-unquote narcissism, you don't get that 20 hours a day. Yeah, four hours a day, I got the biggest dick in the room. There's no doubt about it. I'm the best radio host, not just in this city, but in the country. Get over it. It's a fact. It's an absolute fact. There's not even a close second anymore. Not even a close second. There never was. Not since maybe Imus and Stern. So just get over that. But outside of that, I'm the nicest, easiest going. Nobody takes a bigger beating in my household than me. So this idea that I'm not humble... Because for four hours, I yell and scream about how great I am, and I've got the numbers to prove it. See, it's one thing when you say you're great and you can't prove it. But once you can prove it, that's not an issue anymore. That's it. But yet you guys, you all have the same narrative. Danielle, Lou, Noam, even Margot sometimes, Katsimatidis. And no one loves Margot more than me, not even John, AJ, and John Jr., but it's all, it's, it's, it's a show. That's a it's a statement. show. <laughs> wow. You don't okay. get it? Okay. It's a damn show. <laughs> well, I think we should replace the word humble now that you made that previous statement. With about, what? About Margot. Yes. Even though Margot says to me, <laughs> wow. I see Margot. Humble's goes, out the window now. Yeah. You know, I got to tell you, it really pissed me off the other day. And I'm like, why? It's all a show. I mean. You you show me a guy that's won multiple Marconi Awards, whether it's Don Imus or Howard Stern, any one of these guys, they are the biggest egocentric narcissists you'd ever meet. I mean, the same people that get on me for being a narcissist, which is so overused and nauseating at this point, love Donald Trump. Is there a bigger narcissist in the history of mankind than my friend who I spoke to yesterday, Donald Trump? No. 
But Sid's a narcissist. So if I wear a humble and hungry shirt, it's because I am both. Well, now my question is, how did you? Where did you get that shirt, or who gave it to you? It's a friend of mine from New Jersey. Okay, how well does he know you? <laughs> Not very well at all. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, barely that. knows. <laughs> me. Yeah. Just shut I'm up. Trying to find out. I don't. I don't know. It's, hey, this would be a great gift. For Sid. <laughs> wow, I can't see anything that screams Sid Rosenberg more than this shirt. You know, when he showed me that sweatshirt this morning, it was everything I could do to not pull out a sharpie and cross out humble. <laughs> yeah. I, that's actually right. how it should have been made, maybe, for custom made for right. Sid. Like, humble, nope. Hungry, perhaps. Right. <laughs> Depending on the time. <laughs> that's, it just, yeah, and by the way, you know what the reaction's going to be when you walk well, in. Well, of course here. I do. Right. I know it because you're all stupid. Because you just don't understand that this is the Sid on the air, which, which I tell everybody, clearly it's working. I double everybody's ratings at this station. I destroy WOR. Whatever I'm doing, it's working, right? Okay. We didn't get these ratings before ever. <laughs> Even Danny back to Imus and Bob Grant. So whatever I'm doing, it's working. No question. Yeah. But the, the, now we know what the back should say. <laughs> and you're all stupid. <laughs> well, Humble and hungry. And well, if, by the way, you're all stupid. If we're going to get to uh, T-shirts, which we've done already for the last five minutes, and what's on the back... Of the T-shirt, there's one member of this cast who actually is wearing a better T-shirt than me today. If you think "humble and hungry" on Sid Rosenberg is hilarious, then you have to see the shirt <laughs> that Lou Rufino is wearing. What are you wearing? Well, I walk mean, outside oh, quick. Go well, walk you, outside quick. I can tell you, my, my friend <laughs> Anthony Barbarese <laughs> made this part. shirt. Right. He's a very very. Um, Loyal listener, Anthony Barbarese. So I, I once said what's on Lou's shirt on the air one day, and my buddy Anthony said, oh, my God, that's a T-shirt. And then I had to pick up the shirts at uh, Portofino Tanning Salon with my boy, um, with my guy, uh, oh, I forgot his name now, uh, geez, Roll. And there it was, a box of these T-shirts. And Lewis, what does the T-shirt read on the front? It's a blue shirt with white lettering. What does it read on the front? Sid and Friends. 770 WABC. Sid and Friends, 770 WABC. You know that, Sean. In very small letters, it says humble. And <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and then um, when you turn around, what does the shirt say on the back? And all you're doing is repeating what I said on the air, so don't worry about it. What does it say on the back? Oh, no, I, I say it. I'm just, I, if, if you don't, now I, now I forget how it actually is. It, is, it says, if you don't, don't like, it, like it, dot, dot, dot. You can blow me. Right. Well, there's no you can. Just okay, blow me. Okay. I yeah. can't forget. Blow me. So I said that one day, and, and, and uh, people love it. So I think uh, Lou wins the shirt of the day contest, sitting friends in the morning. If you don't like it, blow me. <laughs> Fantastic. And huh? I love you just as much, Margo. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Margo Please. loves you. Oh, my God, does she love you. Thank God. Uh, and thank she God. actually thinks you're smart. I swear oh, to God. Oh, my God. What are the odds of that? Well, I'm just saying. You know what I mean. Stop it. <laughs> well, wow. Fine. I'll get you a sweatshirt that says smart and, um, uh, and humble. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to my friend Sid. Right. He's hungry. Right. And also humble. Yeah. So we got a great guest list coming up today. We're going to discuss uh, all the major topics. But, of course, not on a lamping note. That was a lot of fun, guys. Nothing better than lamping on a Friday morning. 
But we've got some serious stories out there, and of course, nothing more serious than what's going on in Maine right now. Maybe I shouldn't say that, what's going on in the Gaza Strip, but uh, they're all dead kids. I've already seen two pictures of kids, 14 and younger, killed uh, as part of the 18 people that Robert Card killed in Maine a couple of nights ago. So last night I was TV surfing, and I came across Laura Ingram on Fox News, and uh, she had um, Randy Sutton on. Randy's been in studio with me before, Lou and Nomi may remember. <clears throat> He's a former Jersey cop, now lives in Las Vegas. And he told a couple of harrowing stories, and he was live in Vegas last night, and he was saying that the police are going to start issuing these search warrants at the two or three houses where Robert Card was seen. And that'll just be kind of a formality. It doesn't mean he's there or they got him, because when I first put on Ingram, it looked like, at least on the television screen, that they had him inside, that they were at a house in Baldwin, Maine, where the guy lived, Robert Card, and he was inside. And they were playing messages, come out with your hands up. But Randy Sutton made it very, very clear Without knowing anything, they had drones and low-flying helicopters that maybe he was not inside. And as it turns out, he was not inside. So Robert Card is still on the loose after really two days of horror in Maine. And today will be day three. Noam, what's the latest up there in Maine? Well, the one, I guess, positive thing is the death toll was actually went down. So it's 18 dead, uh, 13 others wounded, four in critical condition. And we are learning more about Robert Card. So an avid deer hunter, an outdoorsman, a trained U.S. Army Reserve marksman, was among the top shooters in his unit when he enlisted in the Army. And uh, so... They think he could be hiding out anywhere. And in fact, uh, Sid, yesterday you even had the NYPD, Eddie Caban, the um, NYPD commissioner speaking here in New York City, putting the picture up and saying, hey, uh, it's not so crazy that he could come to New York. And uh, they beefed up police presence all over the city just to make sure. So they really have no idea where he is at this hour. I think the consensus, though, is that uh, those woods up there in Maine are very, very thick. You can't see in between trees, even with drones and helicopters. And this guy's a survivalist. He's a deer hunter. So he spends a lot of time in the woods anyway. So I think the consensus is, you never know, is that he's in the woods somewhere and he's not traveling city to city to commit more murder. But uh, you have to be very, very careful. You just don't know. I know this morning on your terrific 5 to 6 a.m. show, Norm, you had a bunch of audio victims and folks up in Maine, including Angus King, I know the local politicians are devastated, as they should be. In fact, what did um, Angus King well, have to so, say? You know, Angus King talking about the fact that um, Maine has one of the highest rates of gun owners, but one of the lowest gun crime rates. And so that's why he says this is all so shocking. We're still, as long as this fellow is at large, we're still in a lockdown, fearful situation, and we need to get on to grieving. And and so here's the big deal today, Sid, is that you have these people in Lewiston. Uh, they didn't go to school yesterday. People didn't go shopping. They just hunkered down. And so now they're asking the question this morning, should we do the same? There's fear. There's panic. Of course, there's worry. Understandable. I mean, this is an all-hands-on-deck situation. You and me and all these people standing here, we, we all got a fear for our lives today. Nerves are rattled right now, keeping an eye on the woods and... It's very unnerving right now. Yeah, and um, 
we heard from one of the youngest victims who, thank God, got out alive. But this is a seven-year-old girl who took a bullet. Here she was speaking out last night. I never thought I'd grow up and get a bullet in my leg. Why? Like, why do people do this? Yeah. Asking She's me. seven years old. Yeah. Where did she get shot? You know? Bowling alley. No, no. What, what part of her body? I'm sorry. Uh, do not know. We don't know. Okay. Jeez. Well, I'm sure throughout the day, Norm will have more on that. And then, of course, you've got the strikes in Syria last night. Uh, we're going after the Iranian troops who have now attacked us. Folks, do you realize since October 7th, since Hamas, those animals did what they did in Israel, there have been 19 attacks, 19 on American troops. And finally, after about three weeks of sitting around with his finger up his ass, this idiotic president, Joe Biden, decided, let's do some airstrikes. Yeah, let's get tough. So that happened yesterday. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff, too. I, um, my, my buddy Charlie Marino uh, checks in. We should send him to Maine. And, uh, and uh, Gaza, by the way. There are more tough guys here in New York that can do this stuff in 15 seconds. But I think Charlie right now is happy just to go to a nice, uh, maybe Lenny's restaurant and have a good meal tonight. Anyway, a big, big uh, guest list coming up today. Brian Kilmeade will join me first. He's coming up at 6.40. Curtis Sliwa, he'll be here at 7.10. Andrew Giuliani, his Friday visit coming up at 7.40. Joseph Tacopina, his Friday visit. Trump had a big speech last night. He's coming up at 8.40. And we may hear from folks like Anthony D'Esposito and Chris Russo along the way. It's a big Friday show. The day of the night, New York State of Mind, Bill O'Reilly and Sid Rosenberg at the Paramount Theater. Huntington, Long Island coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. Lots of you folks listening right now are going to be there. Can't wait to see you. Keep it right here, Sid, on a Friday. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
Come Undone. One of my favorite groups ever, Duran Duran. I actually saw these guys perform, I've told you this a couple of times before, New Year's Eve. For the first time this year in my life, I did something I made fun of forever. That is, me, Danielle, Gabe, and Ava made our way to Times Square in the rain, thanks to my buddy Butler. And we caught the New Year's Eve, the last hour, between 11 and ushering in 2023. And the very last act was these guys, Duran Duran. This has come undone. And their lead singer, Simon Laban, one of my all-time favorites, I believe, according to the great Lou Rubino, is celebrating a birthday today. Is that right, Lewis? I see. 65. 65. Big one. That is a big one. I'm yeah. telling you, look at pictures of him. I, if I uh, was on the other team, I would just go right after him, I think. Are you gay? No, uh, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore? No. You were for a while. No, I try to be humble about that <laughs> aspect of my life. And, and hungry about it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny about uh, Lewis is, like this morning, I don't look very good. I haven't shaved, and I'm wearing sweatpants and a, the sweatshirt that he keeps making fun of, but... When I come to work dressed nicely, which is most of the time, the first person to compliment me is Lou. And his eyes light up like I'm a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. So maybe you are. I know you have MJ and you've been banging her for 20 years, but. Well. Maybe you're like a buy or something. No, you. This, uh, you got to enjoy life. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you. (laughs) Who could afford to be picky these days? No, uh, I'm not. I don't have uh, my preference. Things gotten low. (laughs) I'm not the one that comes over to people and, you know, touching me. I mean, I think. What are you talking about? More orifices have been touched by you. Oh, stop it. Never happens. Never. Never, okay. ever happens. Stay hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so Anthony D'Esposito will join me coming up at 810. Anthony is leading a major effort to get George Santos expelled. Anybody else tired of hearing about George Santos? It's like the Republicans are so pathetic. How this guy even had a chance to run. How this guy won. And how this guy, out of the three is still in office, is a huge embarrassment for the Republicans. And I love all those guys. I don't have one bad thing to say about Joe Cairo or Peter King. They're not even in office. Or the three guys that won out there, Nick Lolito, and um, I'm not a huge fan of Garbarino, but fine. But I love Anthony D'Esposito, but enough already with Santos. Just get rid of him. So now D'Esposito is leading this charge. This uh, not long after they finally, finally, after over three weeks, figured out that Mike Johnson out of Louisiana is the right guy. First, they got rid of Kevin McCarthy. I spoke to Nancy Mace yesterday, and she's still, hey, we did the right thing. We couldn't trust him, blah, blah, blah. It's fine. And then uh, they went to Jim Jordan. They embarrassed that guy, who's a great guy, a brilliant man. And then that uh, Tom Emmer guy out of Minnesota. So after 22 days, they figured out Mike Johnson's the best American on the planet. And he got the job as the Speaker of the House. And he spoke a bit yesterday, Lewis, specifically about Joe Biden. And he did it on my friend Sean Hannity's show. This is a courtesy of Hannity and Fox News last night. The new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, telling us something we already knew. All of us. Cut number 21. 
I think it's been a failed presidency, and all the problems, some of those that you've articulated already at the outset of the program here, uh, are, were caused by policy choices. And that's the problem I have with them. It's just philosophical. And then, of course, we had to go through all these ridiculous Donald Trump impeachments before the indictments. You know, I want you to know this, folks. Donald Trump, not that long ago, was down 21 points in New York in the polls. Since he's been indicted and had legal issues right here with that stupid Alvin Bragg, 21 points is now, you ready for this? Nine points. He's made up 12 points. You keep going, you guys out there, Georgia, New York, all you attorneys and Judge Knapp, you keep telling me how dangerous this is because he's either going to be in jail or be the president, if not both. And that's if God is good to us. So Hannity asked Mike Johnson last night about impeaching Biden. Here was um, his response, cut number 23. And I think the evidence, we're going to follow the truth where it leads. We're going to engage in due process because, again, we're the rule of law party. I know people are getting anxious and they're, they're getting restless and they just want somebody to be impeached. But that's not, we don't do that like the other team. We have to, we have to base it upon the evidence. And the evidence is coming together. We'll see where it leads. Well, the evidence is coming together. In fact, Mike Johnson used one word to describe it with Hannity last night, bribery. Here's one more from the new speaker who is uniting Republicans as we speak today out of the great state of Louisiana, Mike Johnson, on bribery in Biden, cut number 24. I believe uh, the documents are proving all that. As, as my good brother Jamie Comer often says, the bank records don't lie. So we have the receipts on so much of this now. It's a real problem. That's the reason that we shifted into the impeachment inquiry stage on the president himself, because if, if in fact, all the evidence leads to where we believe it will, that's very likely impeachable offenses. You know, that's listed as a cause for impeachment in the Constitution. You know, bribery and, and uh, other high crimes and misdemeanors, bribery is listed there, and, and uh, it looks and smells a lot like that. So while New York 1 scrolling at the bottom of the screen reads, Republicans, Mike Johnson unifies the party, what is stupid Joe Scarborough and some skank talking about an MSNBC? <laughs> The new speaker dismisses new gun safety legislation. They can't wait. They can't wait, these Democrats, for people to get murdered. I swear to God, they can't wait for the next school shooter. They can't wait. They can't wait because all they want to talk about is gun laws and gun legislation when it is very, very clear, stupid, that this has nothing to do with guns. Crazy kills. Crazy kills. If you wake up every morning and the first thing that comes to mind is not where's dinner tonight, not how much I love Danielle and Gabe, not, hey, what's on the show today? The first thing you think of is I can't wait to kill someone today. That person is going to kill someone that day, whether they have an AR-15, a twenty-two, or a knife. So all these jerk-offs sit around and yell and scream about gun legislation. What they should be on his house, Sharpton, a real winner. Yeah, look at the I mean, a real winner. They should be talking about how we combat crazy in this country. How a guy, how a guy that admittedly told people he was hearing voices and was going back to the base to kill everybody, how that guy was still out there. That's a good question. That's a good question. Gun legislation. Do they realize these idiots that when you... Have stricter gun laws? 
That doesn't stop the criminal. It makes life more difficult for the law-abiding gun owners. The folks that you don't read about, you see, you read about every time Robert Card kills 18 people in a bar in Maine. What you don't read about are the 500 to 1,000 examples of folks all around the country that last night, while they were sleeping, two or three guys broke into their home to rape their daughters, kill their wives, and steal their money, and they shot them in the face. You don't hear about that because that does not fit the narrative of these animals. They are no better. They are no better than terrorists. The media at this point, and I mean this sincerely, and write this down, call Breitbart, call Mark Levin, I don't care who you call, the media in this country at this point, domestic terrorists. Noam, did you write that down? I don't think he did. Um, I don't see Noam's uh, hand moving. Up. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm writing it down. I just and you're part That's of it. That's right, I said it. Yeah, you're part of it. But thank you, Mark Levin. <laughs> no, happy to be part of it. The thank media you. at this point <laughs> are domestic terrorists. For them to be sitting around, you know, they still haven't collected all the bodies yet, and there's dead little kids. Again, with gun legislation, there's no heart. These aren't people. These are robots. They're terrorists. You got that? I do. Well, don't be one of them. Don't. Which you're not. You do a great job. You're no, not proud of me. I love you. On oh, my God, show. you got to slow down. That's right. You're going yeah. in that direction. but no, You, you God. and flipping are like you're right there. The I love you part. Yeah. I mean what I mean. I do mean it. I do mean it. That's how bad it is in America today. All right, we got Brian Kilmeade coming up next. But before we do that, on this Friday morning, happy Friday, folks. Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. So as you've heard me talk about so far this morning, a couple of times, we got the big show tonight. It's the big one, New York State of Mind, at the beautiful Paramount Theater, Huntington, Long Island. And, of course, it stars uh, my dear friend Bill O'Reilly and me, Sid Rosenberg. I've been getting pictures all week long from the fans out there taking shots of our name on the marquee and the lights. And it's very, very cool. We are sold out. It's going to be a huge night tonight. O'Reilly and Rosenberg. Now, I don't know Long Island all that well, but something tells me that the great Brian Kilmeade, who does a tremendous job after me every morning on this station at 10 a.m., is on, of course, Fox and Friends every morning, Fox News. He's great there. And his own great show, One Nation, 9 p.m. on Saturday nights on Fox News. Something tells me that Brian Kilmeade does not live very far from the Paramount Theater in Huntington, but yet will be nowhere near the big O'Reilly-Rosenberg show later on tonight. Well, let's find out. Here he is, the great Brian Kilmeade. Good morning, Brian. Uh, Sid, I'm sure you're going to have a great night. Beautiful area. Um, I was just there. They did a, a Fox special there, but you're sold out. It'll be great. Uh, just so you know, Bill O'Reilly's a lot taller than you. A lot. <laughs> I know. I posted a picture this morning. I look like a midget. Can you still say that? I just did. Uh, you're I right. He's you a lot taller <laughs> <laughs> right, it, no, it's going to be great, and that's an unbelievable theater. Uh, but I think you can, you would, uh, you would salute what I'm going to be doing. My daughter plays tonight in Schenectady. Um, she Aww. plays college soccer, so she has a game she has to win to make the playoffs. So I think you would support me being a good, uh, a good dad. 
you already are a great dad, and of course I love that. I love that, and I love hearing all the stories about you and your kids and the soccer and all the sports. So good for you, Brian, uh, the great Brian Kilmeade. Let's get to some of the big news today, of course. Maybe the biggest story, not here in New York, but internationally, was that uh, the airstrikes. America last night going after Iran in Syria uh, after the attacks on the Americans, drone attacks, and from the air. And uh, a clear message, I think, was sent by this White House, who I can't stand, but a clear message sent by this White House that uh, if Iran continues to do this, they're going to pay a price. Your thoughts on the airstrikes by us in Syria last night? Look, there's been 98, 98 since he took office minimum that we know of. He has, they've been 14 to 18 uh, since October 7th at our guys from Iran-backed militias while they rattle their cage and say and warn us not to get involved and continue to fund. And they say they might come after us if, if the Israelis go into Gaza, which they're going in. What is going on here? I understand that we're the strongest kid in the block. You don't want to act like a bully. That's not the American makeup. But we've gone the other direction. It has taken us three weeks and really two and a half years to answer these guys. And we did it while we're blowing up depots and saying it could get worse. We have a ton of military assets in the area. And as soon as we do it, we make it clear that we don't want war with Iran. Listen, Iran is sitting there having their people. They formed an alliance of outlaw militias in Iraq and Syria. And together, they're rattling our cage with drones and rockets. And we're quickly telling them we don't want war with them. I mean, we cannot act this week. Even when we act strong, they ruin it. He says, here's the quote. The United States does not seek conflict, nor do we desire hostilities. However, the Iran-backed attacks against the U.S. are unacceptable. Oh, really? We do not coordinate with the Israelis about the strike. What we did is self-defense. Again, don't think that the Israelis, Israelis told us to do it. Don't think that we're allies with them. Of course we support them, even though there's many people in this city that don't. Yeah, I want to get to that uh, momentarily, but I said something on the show yesterday, which John Bolton repeated later on in the day on this station. But I said it first, and and that, of course, is that there's no question, no question that the only reason why these Israeli troops, nearly 400,000 in total, amassed at the Gaza border, have not gone in. They've gone in twice. They've retreated for short stays, but they have not gone in because of the United States. It's not the hostages. It's not gathering more intelligence. As far as I'm concerned, Joe Biden, because he does want to get the American hostages back, and for some reason he's worried about innocent Palestinians, I'm not. Joe Biden is calling the shots. I really believe that. I can't believe that Netanyahu would listen to Biden after his country was decimated a couple of weeks ago. But I really believe Joe Biden and this American government is holding back the Israelis. And that makes me nauseous. I have no problem with offering advice. And, you know, we supply a lot of the weapons, but they make it more sophisticated together with the intelligence the Israelis provide. We've been a great team. I don't think they need our, our advice on Gaza. I don't. I think we know urban warfare. We got some great uh, generals and colonels that have helped, but they understand the area. I understand walking in there and saying, hey, "Guys, just think about the day after. After you level the place, who's going to be there?" Because we had that problem in Iraq. I have no problem with that. Uh, but to say I'm going to hold you back because we have to get our missile defense in place—that doesn't make any sense. We've been there since 2003. We don't have missile defense for our guys in Iraq and Syria. 
Come on. That seems odd. Yeah. I don't. I think that the Americans are hurting if we are, in fact, doing that. It's not even a good strategy because with every bomb that drops, with more video that reveals that, that the people, innocents are getting hurt because of Hamas and their attacks, it hurts the world perception. It fuels the anti-Israeli hate. Just let them do their thing. But I do say this. I do talk to a lot of experts and think the time is actually on, in some ways, on Israel's side because they do want to take out these terrorists one by one. They don't know where all these tunnels are. They do want to locate the hostages. So they have taken three complete weeks and done a lot of intel and killed a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of Hamas officers. The sad thing is we see this video and you see these two year know these families and then the, the world community says, you know, what's going on here just because they killed your guys? They don't what why are you killing ours? And we know the difference, Sid. If, if if an innocent person dies, that's a mistake for the Israelis. That's collateral damage for the for Hamas. That's the target. Right, right. And I mean seven hundred and ninety were civilians right. that they killed. Right. And excuse me, but I have no idea. And this is gonna sound really brutal, but it is what it is. I have no idea how many times beautiful twenty one year old Mia Shem got raped yesterday by a bunch of Hamas animals in a tunnel. In Gaza, we need to go in now. Stop this. Get in there. Kill these people. Stop waiting. I hear what you're saying. Intelligence and killing Hamas officials. Get in there. I know Israel wants to do it. I know they do. And every day that goes by is another day of rape, torture, and maybe death for these hostages anyway. We got to go in. Anyway, let's get back to the city. You're right about it. Cooper Union, that's a big issue. Another rally in Manhattan last night. These people are not pro-Palestinian. They're pro-Hamas. They're pro-murder. They're okay with Israelis being killed in the streets. Those 5,000 people in Bay Ridge, Brian Kilmeade, last Saturday night would like nothing more than for me, Sid Rosenberg, yeah. you from Brooklyn, to be killed in the streets as well. This is not okay. These are not decent people out there for a decent cause. They're animals, and they're okay with murder, and watching it happen in my city every day every day is another rally is really starting to piss me off do you know one of the headlines on drudge right now is um jews are warned to stay out of brooklyn do you believe this yeah i believe it. i mean in america so i i don't i don't understand it i mean i when i'm watching this happen i'm thinking to myself do these guys know about a balfour declaration do they even know what the history is in this area where do they get this information from and do you know what more people have told me? TikTok. And do you know there are algorithms that China has put out that are beginning to unwind that are pushing this? But these 20-year-olds, it sounds, it sounds insulting, and I don't care. They get all their information and their news. They're not listening to us, and they're not watching us. They're looking at TikTok and saying, wow, these Palestinians, these innocent people, these, uh, the, 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 uh, Israel are the thugs and they keep on making their lives so miserable. What choice do they have? They have no idea about what a two state solution is and why it fell apart due to the Palestinians. They have no idea what, uh, 1948 meant and how many times Israel has fought against multiple states, actors and been successful. And all they want to do is live in peace. And we're coming to a point where other Arab nations, Bahrain, UAE, Sudan, now soon Saudi Arabia, they already had peace deals with Egypt and Jordan. And now you see the people looking around going, you know what? Israel is not, Israel is not the problem. 
They're a thriving democracy. They're becoming normal. But guess who's unhappy about that? China and Russia and Iran. And that's who's behind all this. The biggest surprise for me is it's resonating with the next generation of Americans. Do you even, do you, when, since when do they care about, care about the Palestinian cause? Did you hear it at all Never. before October 7th? Never. Ever? No. And I still don't believe they care about the Palestinian cause. They're a bunch of troublemakers, a bunch of kids. They're idiots. I think and they, they just need a cause. the Black Lives Matter crowd. Right. I think they're financing the groups. They tore cities apart. And Black Lives Matter, we never, turns out the most corrupt organization in modern memory. And I think they tapped into that. I think you're right. In the final 60 seconds, congratulations, Brian, to you and Fox News. And you're saying, why is that, Sid? I'll tell you why. Because I watch you guys very early in the morning, even before you guys come on. And your show is on in the studio with me all morning long. But I did see video this morning of Jamal Bowman. Now, I had Mike Lawler on my show a couple of days ago. I know you guys did, too. But I ripped him a new anus. I killed him. Don't be taking selfies on an airplane next to that Jew-hating, racist piece of garbage, Jamal Bowman, posting it on Twitter as if you guys are friends. After this guy pulled the fire alarm, I think it's actually a bigger crime than he has so far, so far been talked about. And the new video I saw on Fox News this morning really goes to show you this guy needs to be expelled, arrested, get in big trouble, no? Yeah, he's got to write a letter of apology and pay a thousand dollar fine and has three months probation. You know, if you or I pulled a, a, pulled a fire alarm in a government building, we would go to jail and we should. We were always told for as early as third grade, if you touch the fire alarm, I mean, you, you could be, it was just the, one of the worst things you could do. This guy in the middle of a sensitive negotiations to extend the funding of the government, doesn't want it, obviously, and decides I'm going to smash the fire alarm like an idiot, not thinking there wouldn't be any cameras around. And first he denied it. Then they said, well, I had no choice. I was locked out. We see that story is totally blown up. You guys got to check out this video. I don't know if you're going to put it on your stream today, Sid, but you just shows what a liar he is. I mean, this guy's an embarrassment, embarrassing socialist anyway. Uh, to New York. New York wants better than this. You see the way Trump's closing in on the polls in New York within nine now? This guy was down 21 points while being tried twice, civilly and criminally. And I think New Yorkers are waking up. They almost put Lee Zeldin in. Maybe they're going to look around and say, now this has got to stop. Maybe this is the time and this is the election where New York stands up for sanity. 30 seconds. Mike Johnson. You like him? I do. I do. I mean, evangelical, but he's he's uh, he's got his beliefs, but he knows this country's not run uh, by everything that Mike Johnson wants. If you're Speaker of the House, you got to do as much uh, for uh, for Lawler as you have to do for Jim Jordan, and that's it. It's a referee, it's a coach, uh, and that's what you got to do. So he's extreme to the right. He's very pro-Trump. He's unbelievably bright. He's a fantastic speaker, understands these issues uh, inside and out. And he's already met with the president. I watched him last night with John, and he's, uh, he's not going to budge on certain things. Uh, and I, I do think he's going to do a great job. I'm surprised it took it so long, 22 days, to get to Mike Johnson. If everybody was so in support, why did they put anybody else forward? It's part of that whole farcical situation. And a very happy birthday today. You could appreciate this, Brian Kilmeade, as the author of many books. Really, seriously, many books on the president's happy birthday today to Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Yes, your guy. And guess what? Teddy and Booker T comes out next Tuesday, not this Tuesday, but the Tuesday after. And I'll be in Red Bank, New Jersey, doing a show. 
Uh, I won't have uh, Sid or, or Bill O'Reilly there, but <laughs> I, it will be great. It'll be a Thursday night. You got to get up early the next day. I don't know. So I just go to BrianKillMe.com. I'm setting up the whole book tour. All right, BrianKillMe.com. Teddy Roosevelt, Booker T. Washington, and I may be there next Thursday night. I love Red Mike, New Jersey, and I certainly love you. Thank you for this. As always, Brian Kilmeade, you're great. We'll be watching One Nation quickly. Uh, anybody big coming up on your Fox News show tomorrow night at 9 p.m.? You know, it's going to be live. So I'm going to wait for everything to develop. But one thing we did do, uh, Walter Russell Mead, deep thinker, and this guy named Larry Kudlow who spends his mornings on Saturday on WABC and his evenings every day on FBN. So I'll have those uh, two great guests. And we'll, we will also have Senator Tom Cotton and uh, and also going to have uh, Brett Velikovich from Tel Aviv. Nice. Yep. So I'm going to be riding the war, riding this manhunt. And then, of course, telling everybody what's going to be happening. Uh, I actually got to have Miranda Devine on, too, to unwind what's going on with these Hunter Biden investigations and the Joe Biden investigation. You'd be surprised what's still happening behind the scenes. She's always ahead of the curve, so she's bringing that to the table. So it's going to be big. We're not forgetting about uh, President Trump and these court cases either and the farce that it is. But right now they're being smothered by this other breaking news. Enjoy the soccer game tonight as a proud dad that you are. I love you. Thank you very much. This is a great conversation. See you soon, buddy. All right. Good luck tonight and stay within yourself. All right. That's my <laughs> advice to you. <laughs> I know. It's always your advice. It's great advice. There he is, folks. Star on Fox and Friends, Fox News every morning. The host of One Nation, 9 p.m. on Fox News on Saturday nights. And of course, follows me every weekday morning right here on 77 WABC at 10 a.m. My friend Brian Kilmeade. We'll uh, take a break. That wraps up our number one. Three great hours to come, including coming up next, the man himself, Curtis Sliwa. WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. How many of us
Keys, how deep is your love from the greatest movie soundtrack ever, Saturday Night Fever, ever, which, believe it or not, we're nearing 50 years. I think next year will be 47 years since SNF with my man, John Travolta. And my next guest, Curtis Sliwa. God, I love Curtis, I do. And I must love him because... For me to show up at a town hall meeting in Queens at a Knights of Columbus, uh, Columbus, okay, uh, to do rallies in Brooklyn on a weeknight, I must love him, and I do. Of course, he gets great ratings, noon to one, every weekday afternoon, right here, the Rip and Reed, big ratings, overnights on the weekends, and is here with me every day, the only guest every day, because he's great. And uh, I played How Deep Is Your Love, because Curtis is a Brooklyn guy, can RC guy, love that movie, and... You know, he could appreciate going to dance at 2001 on a Friday night. And I know it's his wife, Nancy, the lovely Nancy, loves that song, too. But it makes a lot of sense when you consider where Curtis was last night. Because once again, even though he works in midtown Manhattan and lives on the Upper West Side, Curtis was all over Brooklyn with my dear friend Mike Sullivan, all over Brooklyn. So the perfect entry song on this Friday morning, Saturday Night Fever, including one of my favorite places, an old stomping ground for Sid and Danielle, but... You tell him, Curtis. How oh, are you? This is amazing. Uh, I was 15 minutes late. I walk into the Knights of Columbus Hall, uh, where all the Goyam are, you know, obviously. The big <laughs> gin mill, right? <laughs> That's a big attraction. 350 people said. Wow. Standing room. There, there was no room to move. So pretty much, uh, maybe even more than we had in Queens yes, on Tuesday. More, more than we had wow. in Queens. Well, you know Brooklyn. It's a Brooklyn attitude. Well, because in Queens you had the, the My People, Bell Harbor, and the Ponsett, Rockaway. They're more reserved. Right. Brooklyn, you get Mill Basin. In your face. Marine get, Park. In your face. Marine Georgetown. Park, all those Road. areas. Uh, Gravesend. I, I mean, it's incredible turnout. And that crowd was fired up. And uh, I finally got the politicians, none of whom showed up, by the way. You know, I said, oh, we should have held a fundraiser and said we'd be writing them checks, and they all would have been there, from Congress right on down to the low. Not, not even an acknowledgment. Some of them sent uh, spokespersons. But if you don't want politicians to come to any of your meetings, just invite Curtis Lewis. They don't show up. No, not Republicans, not Democrats. No. They don't want to be there because they know they're going to get eviscerated. And rightfully so. I mean, even the other night, um, and I love Joanne Ariola, yeah. and I give her credit. You don't, I do. Uh, but Margaret Powers, Paul King's wife, spoke on behalf of her, and I did tell everybody that initially, instead of Joanne doing what Curtis said was going to happen, she poo-pooed it, made fun of Curtis, actually wasn't very nice to Curtis. Now she's on our side working hard. But I made that point that night, and I think Margaret Powers was taken back just a little bit. So even when they're not there, we tend to uh, talk about them. Well, finally, they agreed, Democrats and Republicans, their uh, spokespersons, not to do any more rallies, uh, demonstrations, because they were in my lane. And it was looking really bad. Shit. You know, they had like 50 people show oh, up. Terrible. Uh, more cops than more, people. Right. It's like, and they re- agreed, stop. But here's what I don't get. We don't need you anymore. You've been great. Congratulations. You have etched a uh, another stone in New York history but we don't need you anymore. You know why? Because I was on our mutual friend Nicole Maliotakis' website yesterday. Yes, yes. And according to Nicole, the Natural Resources Committee, that's right, the Natural Resources Committee sent down a ruling that said that any of these federal places, flood zones or not, like Floyd Bennett Field, cannot be used to house migrants. So 
According to Nicole, we've already won. No, 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 horror, no, 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 no chairman. No. That's a committee. Oh, oh, oh. The oh. committee voted oh. to release that to the floor for consideration what? of a vote. What do you mean? We, so we, we didn't, we didn't, we, we didn't. It's, huh? No, no. Everybody's taking <laughs> dances. Uh, lawsuit, victory, victory. You know, this is like this is like Georgia. Remember Bush forty three victory on the deck of the aircraft carrier. We can go home. We won in Iraq. Then we got pounded. And it's like recently, uh, your friend Eric Adams saying we've taken a victory lap, even though we haven't finished the race. What victory lap has he taken, my oh, friend Eric Adams? I, I'm going to send you the cut. I play it nonstop. No, 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 no. Yesterday, still yeah. doing that? Yeah, that? We're taking the victory lap, even though we haven't finished the race. So I, the politicians have to stay in their lane. They, they're announced victory, victory. It's a committee vote. It left the committee. We got this goober now who's the Speaker of the House, right? You're going to have What who? do you mean, goober? Oh, my God. They're like, oh, he's such a wonderful guy. He is. Nobody knows who he is. MJ, I thought it was Michael Jackson, Cut right? Cut it out. He is a great American. Excuse me. John Katsimatidis, who knows everybody because they all come to him for donations, right? Yeah. He said, who's this guy, right? Oh, hold on a second. Uh, nobody loves John Katsimatidis more than me, but there's a couple of people that John hangs out with that I hate, including the former governor, Andrew Cuomo. So it's not like John is right about everybody. No, no, He's been no, right about not, us. No, Mike Johnson is a great American. You never Don't heard of this guy before. Mike Johnson, this son guy of a bitch. was probably uh, the lead character in Hillbilly Hand Fishing in Louisiana. What a goober. By the way, do you know this guy is in favor that if you're caught having gay sex, this might apply to you, I said, he wants you arrested. Well, that's a bit much. Yeah, a bit much. Okay, fine. The, I'm, I'm, I'm more pro-gay than you this are. This guy is a goober. Play this uh, cut from Mike Johnson, which is, I hate doing this, because all it's going to do is actually emphasize And by the way, did they, did they use whiteout? They had everybody on the front steps of the Capitol. <laughs> they have black and Hispanic and Asian Republican congresspeople. You think you could put a few of them to the front? It nah, looks like one big whiteout. We don't of that crap. I mean, every commercial now is a black person or an Asian person. And then you're going to have this guy, come on, we got to get rid of George Santos. Hey, idiot, you're the ones who elevated him. The Nassau County GOP took $185,000 from him. Why didn't you ask him that question, huh? Who is this, the Esposito again? Well, he's coming up at 8.15. Oh, play, my play, God. This, play this first. This is the new Speaker of the House, a great American. I could not disagree with Curtis uh, anymore. This is, and for now on, you're going to call him this. This is the great Mike Johnson. Who? Oh, I don't know. You said you wanted to play one of those cuts for Curtis. Yeah, please, don't bore the audience. Come on, No, Sid. okay, yeah. The, you one, got the, the biggest... one that he was talking about, play that. The... Oh, that's Eric Adams. Oh, no, no, let me tell you something. No, save that Hold for on, Curtis on. for later. I'm sorry, Lewis. I, Michael, I, I, I Michael Jackson, a.k.a. Michael Johnson. Yeah. His claim to fame is he adopted a black son. That's true. Who's the last guy who had a black son? Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor that dope from Park Slope. Well, I, think, uh, I rest my did, case. I think that Imus adopted a black uh, son also, Whatever. didn't he? Please. Yes, he did. The guy said the little kid served in the uh, the Navy. Don't make me know. Not the Navy, the Air Force. Hey, uh, Lewis, didn't Imus adopt a uh, a young black kid? He served in the Air Force? Never yeah, did. Yeah, I think Never he was did. a migrant first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So wait a second. So why were you? Yes. You did the Brooklyn thing last night. I get it, yeah. and you had a great turnout. and And you have to watch Curtis in action. It's it's magic. And you ended up with my dear friend Mike Sullivan, who's now your dear friend too. That's right. The Sullivans, first in war, first in peace. And they'll be there tonight, by the way, Michael and Thomas. And I will too. I know you. Of and course. I'm going to have Nancy with me. Oh, beautiful. Okay, great. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, but you ended up at a place that's very near and dear to me, where you've never been before. Never been there, Buckley's. So let me tell you a story about Buckley's. 
March 1992. We're going on 32 years. That was a place that my father, God rest his soul, my mother, and my wife, Danielle, we frequented all the time, all the time. It's on Nostrand Avenue and S, down the block from Michael's, which is Nostrand and R, and two blocks away from Brennan and Carr, which is Nostrand and U. So it's March of 1992, and I show up at Buckley's one day in the afternoon, and I've got a box. And inside this box just happens to be an engagement ring. And I say, listen, guys, I'm coming back tonight with my girlfriend, Danielle. I'm going to ask her to marry me. She always gets the same thing, a salad and a baked potato. Put this box in the salad so when she digs her fork in tonight, she finds the ring. So we come back a couple of hours later, and Danielle's sitting there. She's white as a ghost, you know. And she's a very dark-skinned, beautiful girl. I go, what's the matter? Because I don't feel well. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't felt well all day. I'm not even hungry. Well, she knew what was coming. She had no Intuitively, way. she knew that this would be the worst decision <laughs> in her life. Come <laughs> on. such an idiot. She so, knew intuitively so, that I'm going to have so, to say yes, but I'm going to regret it. She puts a fork in the salad. She takes one bite, Curtis, and she goes, I can't do it. I can't eat. I go, Danielle. If you don't feel well, the worst thing you can do is not eat. Have some of the salad. Puts the fork in again. Can't do it. Can't do it. I go, Danielle, eat your salad. She goes, why do you care so much whether I eat my salad or not? Will you stop being annoying? I go, you know why, Danielle? Because I promise you, that's the most expensive epping salad you'll ever have in your whole life. Now, eat the epping salad. And I guess at that point, she dug her fork right in. And there it was, and all the waiters and waitresses and people having dinner there that night got up and yelled and screamed and clapped. It was at that place, Buckley's, when we got engaged. Notice you're also your fatuts over that, right? I, I love it. You notice I don't talk about those things. I mean, how well, many I, times? How could you even remember where the hell you got engaged? Exactly. You have 17 exactly. wives. Yeah, those are nightmares. <laughs> those are nightmares. But anyway, generally an Irish joint, the food sucks. What? I mean, you don't go to Irish oh, joints no, for the food. Right. Oh, right. my God, the food was so good. And by the way, it's like, it's memory lane for Brooklyn. But the headline this weekend, let's get real. My phone has been singing and ringing. The Lubavitch right before Shabbat tonight when they got a stir in the Empire kosher chicken. They're telling us not to come out, Curtis. This is the pogrom of 1991. You were there for us 30 days, 30 nights on Kingston and President. They're telling us stay inside. The mob is going to be outside this weekend. You believe this? They're telling Jews, Jews in Brooklyn, New York to stay inside. Let me tell you the something. The cops are telling them stay inside. No, no. You F the cops. I love the cops. No one loves cops more than me. Nobody. No, I, I hosted that whole Back to Blue event. I don't want to hear it. If a cop says that, uh, that's no good. Uh, Jewish people, go out. Go out and dance in the streets. I got news for you. My Goyim friends, put a yarmulke on this weekend. Yes. You're a tough guy in Bay Ridge. You're a tough tell Italian you. Let guy. Me tell you put William. a yarmulke on. They're at 3 p.m. Saturday. All the Palestinian lovers, including Jews for Hamas, Jews for justice, Jews for Palestinians, are going to be there at Grand Army Plaza. Right opposite the uh, Library, Prospect Park, and the Arch. Wait, this is the Palestinians? Or the yeah, Israelis? no, the Palestinians. Every freaking day they've got a rally. Exactly, and they're strong, right? They're coming at you strong. And they intend on marching down Eastern Parkway, past 770 Eastern Parkway, World Lubavitcher Headquarters. Now, Lubavitchers, 1991, I was there for you. Where was Eric Adams, right? He was with Al Slim Shady Sharpton and everybody else. Know who your friends are. We'll be there for you. 
But the next time, don't tell me, oh, Curtis, you know, we couldn't vote for you because, because let me tell you something. It's time for every Jew of 22. It's time for the revival and the resurrection of the JDL. Jews are warned to stay out of Brooklyn, not come out, not go on a walk if you happen to be observant on a Saturday. Is this insanity? And you're going to let these demonstrators advocating the destruction of Israel singing from the river to the sea to march by 770 Eastern Parkway. Oh, because they have a right to do it? Well, if the mayor's not going to have the cops out there, the guardian angels will be out there. But more importantly, Jews, it's time to man and woman up. These anti-Semites, these haters of Israel, these haters of all of you, have got you on the run. What are you going to do? Hide under your bed? No, stay no, in the house? No. Barricade the door? No. Oh, they're coming for they're coming us. No. It's time to revive the JDL. Every Jew at 22. And hey, I want you to call your friend Eric Adams today. 12 noon. He's going to be raising the flag of Turkey down at Bowling Green. The leader, Erdogan, Announced his support of Hamas. He said Hamas is not a terror organization. It's an organization of liberation of Mujahideen who fight to protect their land and citizens. And you are going to be freaking raising the Turkish flag today at 12 noon. You can't have it both ways, Eric Adams. You can't show up with the Jews and say, I'm with you, and then raise the flag of the enemy of Israel and Jews, Turkey. Do not show up at 12 noon today to raise the flag of Turkey where the leader Erdogan says, I stand with Hamas. I support Hamas, which is not a terrorist organization. That is a double shanda right before Shabbat. Is sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. First, no, excuse me, 65th birthday today to the lead singer of this great group, Duran Duran, Simon LeBond. Girls on film, Andrew Giuliani going to join us, Anthony D'Esposito, Joseph Tacopina, 
And we are going to go live to Maine to get the latest on this manhunt for card. I've been watching Leroy Walker Sr. on television all morning long. You have no idea who he is. Well, of course you don't. But his son was one of the brave souls that was murdered by this monster who was being described by his sister-in-law as the nicest, most warm-hearted person you've ever met, but had a rough couple of months. So it turns out that uh, Leroy Walker's son, Joey, actually ran at this guy with a butcher knife now. God rest Joey's soul, but it reminds me of uh, Indiana Jones. You remember in Indiana Jones when the guy was doing like those knife tricks and Harrison Ford was just standing there watching him and then eventually pulled out a gun and shot him? So it's, it's worth talking about this kid's bravery, but you're not going to beat somebody. And I guess that's what the Democrats yell and scream, you know. Kill more people with a gun than a knife, but fine. But watching this uh, poor man, he's, why do they put these guys on TV the next day? This guy can't even get through the sentence on CNN, Leroy Walker. A lot of it is the next day. inexplicable. Just wait a couple. And you know, the, the, the worst part is some of these other um, monsters, like these school shooters, the one in Uvalde or Lanza, they're dead. It's over. This is not over yet. They can't find this guy. So now you got these grieving parents. I know for a fact a 14-year-old boy was murdered with his father, and it's not over. It's not like there's closure. No. Let's talk to Leroy Walker. Well, it doesn't make any sense. But I have to light up the mood just a little because it's been a very, very heavy show. Brian Kilmeade, Curtis Sliwa, although Curtis and I had some laughs. So I reached out to Christopher Mad Dog Russo yesterday, Louis boy, my buddy at FAN. Hey, what's coming on, Sid? Did they? <laughs> and I said, now, come on tomorrow. And he said, I can't do it. I said, look, dog, what if I promise you I won't bother you about this ridiculous bet that you made and your appearance on Howard Stern and all the stuff that um, that I guess you're embarrassed about because dog, I guess, said with the Phillies leading Arizona three games to two in the NLCS, that the Diamondbacks have no chance of coming back and winning, and he would quit, actually resign, retire, if they did, and they did. And Dog is still working. Thank God he is, because he's a genius. I love Chris. So what if I didn't talk about all that? He said, no, this is on the heels of Mike Brancessa telling me Saturday he couldn't find ten minutes on a morning this week either. And I said to Mike, I said, Mike, I love you. You're a legend. You'll always be. You and Dog, one and one A in the history of sports talk radio, but I'm done with you. I'm done with you. He's like, why? He goes, you understand that since I retired, retired. He does something for Cock the Podcast, probably gets $2 million. Since I retired, I've only gone on your show and Dogs. I go, big deal. You came on once when Bernie died. I've asked you 10 times. You're too busy to find me 10 minutes? If you're on a golf course, I swear to God, I go, if you're on a golf course, I go, Mike, I think you saw me confused with that drunk, you know, half-drunk midday host at WFAN. This show gets better ratings, better ratings than Imus. Well, you pray to his author every day, the Imus author. We get better ratings. Our guests are every bit as good. Maybe not the same revenue, I understand that, but stop treating me like that kid who showed up at FAN 20 years ago. I'm done with you. I swear to God, that's how the conversation went. I swear. Where's that going? 
Wait a second. I've only, I, I have, I, I have only come on with you. I have been nothing but good to you. Yeah. That's what, he tried to sell me that. And I'm like, all right, Mike, wait, whatever, a, shut wait up. a second. Yeah. Who, who wanted you <laughs> when everybody. No, no, no. He'll never wait, say that. Wait a second. He'll never say that. You wait a second. Will you wait, He'll wait, never admit that. Wait. Hey, Mike, didn't you try to hire me when Dog left me and Max Kellerman? He'll never admit to that. Anyway, so here's Dog, <laughs> who actually said, I'm not sure if this is on the MLB Network, his show High Heat, or Mad Dog Unleashed on Sirius XM, but here's where Dog makes the statement that if the D-backs come back, win the last two games, and beat the Phillies, which they did do, they'll retire. Mad Dog, cut number 25. Wrong in Arizona from day one. I, I, A, I'm stunned to beat Milwaukee. I thought they'd get swept by the Dodgers. I never thought they'd even go back to Philly for a game six. Uh, I'll try it one more time. I would not be stunned if they won tonight. I would be floored. Floored. And I'll say this right now. Just uh, I'll say this right now. And Bob Raceman, write it down. If they win the <laughs> next two days. Oh, boy. They win the next two games Doggy, and win this series in seven games. You want to stop right here? If they win, yeah. I will I will retire on the spot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> you ever seen when you put a tweet up and uh, these morons out there go, well, this didn't age so well. Happened to me a million times, you know. Trump can't win 2016. Well, this didn't age so well. Well, that didn't age so well for Doggy because the Diamondbacks did win the last two games. He hasn't retired. So you know, of course, that he's very close at Sirius XM with Howard Stern. They're both at the same channel, and they become really good friends. So Howard brought this up with Chris and asked Chris to do something now that he kind of lost the bet. He's not going to retire. Maybe you'll do this, doggy. This is courtesy of the Howard Stern Show on Sirius XM, cut number 26. You would got to do something that the audience says. I'm being serious now. Because you made a statement, I'm going to retire. How about this? You come on my show. I'll come into Manhattan for this. We put you in a bikini, all right? And you walk down the street with a sign that says, I'm a douche. If you do that, people say, okay, it's all right. That's, Man, a, little more, that's, a, that's a little more reasonable. Uh, that one, that, that is a little fair. That's fair. Yeah, that one what? would, uh, I, I can live with that. That's not the, that's not the worst idea. I don't, do I have and by the way, sign? and by the way, Man, I have, have the sign to announce it? Is that, do I have yes, to go that crazy? Yes. So you understand. I worked with Dog for many years. So did Lewis. Did you ever think you would... See the day where somebody asked Dog to wear a bikini <laughs> with a sign that says I'm a douchebag, and he would say, all right, that, that, that's fair. Well, if, we, we, if, if we're rating everything, that's that's a little bit better. I could do that one. I see that one happening. I guess it's better than what Stern asked our former boss Mark Chernoff to do at one point, which was basically proclaim himself to be a Nazi and show his penis in the bathroom. <laughs> Remember that? That's a true story. Mark Chernoff. Used to work over there, and, and so did Lee Davis. They called him Boy Lee. So Stern seems to get all of our all, he, our coworkers who seem so straight at WFAN to do some crazy stuff. And he yeah. asked Mark to do what? Yes, to uh, show him his penis in the bathroom, <laughs> which he did live on the air. In fact, Chernoff on this show talked about that. You were here I, when he called in about two months ago. He did talk about okay, it. Okay, yeah. that, that, maybe Wait, I just blanked it like, out. Yeah, I mean, like to purpose. each other? Yeah. Uh, yeah, to, no, no, Howard doesn't take his thing out. No, 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 no. 
It's not just Tony. Uh, uh, we, uh, we, uh, I, got, it's going to be quick. It's going to be fast. No, I'll take it, but you got to no, no, no cameras. No. Uh, those days, uh, FAN kept wanting more conies, not, not these days. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll talk to Andrew Giuliani coming up next. There's never a dull moment here. New York's talk station. This is Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oi! This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Hines and Pretender, 751 your Friday morning. Andrew Giuliani does a great podcast here every week. Ran one of the best races for governor I've ever seen in a loss to Lee Zeldin. And the apple did not fall far from the tree. I love his father, Rudy. I love Andrew as well. Terrific father, great husband, and great friend. Andrew, good Friday morning, buddy. How are you? Uh, Sid, good morning to you. And it's, uh, man, it is great to hear your uh, stories about uh, Chris and, uh, and Mike. I got to tell you, I remember growing up listening to them as a kid. And uh, it would be very entertaining to see Mike and the Mad Dog, I guess, walk down Fifth <laughs> Avenue yeah. in their uh, in their yeah. bikinis. Yeah, that's not them. I, that, that was the type of stuff that Imus would make me do when Mike and Chris would be part of the group that <laughs> laughed at me. But uh, at any rate, uh, those guys are still uh, both legends and, uh, for the most part, good guys. Uh, let's get to the big stories today. You know, I had Brian Kilmeade on earlier. And I said, Brian, look, uh, you know, America last night, we, we attacked uh, these Iran troops, these proxies in Syria. And, you know, listen, uh, it looks like America maybe, maybe is saying enough is enough. And Brian made the great point. He said, really? He goes, do you understand there have been like almost 100 attacks on American troops in the last two and a half years? Yeah. There have now been 18 attacks, 18 since October 7th. And Joe Biden wants to think that wants to make the American people think that we're getting tough. He basically said, and he's right, where the hell were we for two and a half years? It's a great point. And it's a bit of a smokescreen, like he's saying from Biden here, which uh, when you free up, and I know this is stuff that you've said. I know this is stuff that other guests have said, but it just bears repeating. When you free up 40 billion extra dollars a year in oil reserves, when you send cash over to Iran, which you know is the number one state sponsor of terror in the world, and their terror is directed at Israel and at the United States of America, what do you expect? You know, what are you expecting Iran to do with that money there? It's a little bit like this humanitarian aid that's going into Gaza in the sense that, wait a second, you're going to give humanitarian aid for the terrorist group Hamas to dole out, and you don't think that that actually aid is going to go to the hospitals where you want it to go? No, of course not. It's going to actually go to those Hamas terrorists, to keeping the oil uh, in these tunnels available so that way they have the opportunity to fight Israel. 
Um, so to me, it's it's. Uh, I think Kilmeade is absolutely right on this one. Uh, it is. Uh, it's crazy to think that Iran would use anything but those resources uh, for anything but attacking the United States of America and attacking Israel. And that's just been consistent over the Biden presidency. It was consistent over the Obama presidency. And it took the maximum pressure campaign that the Trump administration put on uh, Iran to actually see this stuff start to subside. And guess what? When it did kick up again, Trump ended up blowing Qasem Soleimani, one of the top generals, out of the out of the sky and sending him to his uh, I don't know if he's a 70 virgins guy but sending him wherever the hell he needed to go blew him to about a thousand pieces it was great and I'm not sure if you know this because you haven't talked in a couple of days but I did receive a piece of mail from Donald Trump just uh, two days ago I was sitting on my deck enjoying a sunny Wednesday afternoon and Danielle came outside and said here's an envelope and it's addressed it says DJT from an address in Palm Beach she goes um you want to open it? I think it's from Donald Trump. I go, now, why would Trump be mailing me anything to my house? It's, it can't be Trump. Clearly, somebody is uh, playing a joke on me. Mm-hmm. So I opened up the envelope, um, big envelope, and inside happened to be a printout of the topics for the Sid Rosenberg show that Alex sent to Margot Martin about three weeks ago, the last time Trump was on. And on that page with the topics was the call-in number, which Trump called in on, and he wrote, and I quote, Sid, you're great, number one, with his iconic signature. And then yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday I was talking to Sergio Gore. He was sitting with the president who said hello. I can hear him say it in the background. So um, Trump and I, uh, we're, not, we're not Trump and Giuliani just yet, but we got something good going here. And I was so happy to hear that even here in New York, where no Republican contends, including Trump, not that long ago, he was down 21 points. That makes sense, right, Andrew? As of today, in New York, he's down nine. Yeah. What, is that, what does that tell you? What does that tell you, Andrew? I think it just tells you that the Biden administration is completely out of touch, right? And I think that as people have gotten further away from the Trump presidency, they realize how good the policies were and how good he was at being a chief executive. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't like the tweets and a lot of people don't love the personality. But I got to tell you, I think one of the reasons why he got stuff done the way he did is because of his personality, right? You need somebody who's going to be able to go into Washington, a place like that, that's a real bureaucracy, just like you need somebody in Albany who's going to actually go in there and say, you know what, I am taking control of the situation, and I don't care. I don't care what kind of pushback I'm going to get from the establishment in there. And that's what he did, and that's what he did on a daily basis. And one of the things that was so amazing to see from, you know, kind of a front row seat, if you will, where you'd see the guy almost every single day was even in the heat of this Russia invest- investigation, even in the heat of impeachment, the first impeachment where he was actually sitting present during the heat of COVID. He every single day was still focused on the mission, still optimistic and still energetic. I think most people would probably be in a bed in a ball saying, man, can can more people attack me? He's the exact opposite, as we all know. And that's why he's the leading candidate again to be the 47th president of the United States. Uh, look, it's a, it's a long way to go between now and there. I think the biggest challenge, and this is something that I've talked to with him and, and a few other members of his team, is how are they going to figure out Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin? I've always been highlighting specifically Pennsylvania and Arizona because you have the two governors there, the current governors there. They were the secretaries of state 
uh, in 2020. So I don't imagine those states being any easier for President Trump to win, especially uh, if you're going to have the you know mail-in ballots, and which which many of these states have uh, have really institutionalized, if you will. So uh, there's a there's a long road ahead, but he certainly is in a uh, better position now. And it seems like with each day that the American people get more of a dose of Joe Biden, they miss Donald Trump more and more. But two minutes to go, Andrew, as always, you're, uh, you really are great. You're great. So Trump likes Mike Johnson. I know he initially endorsed Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House, but he really likes Mike Johnson. <laughs> I thought you said Trump likes Mike Johnson. I got it. Trump likes <laughs> well, Speaker you, Mike Johnson. Uh, you, guys, the last uh, you, guys, you guys do golf uh, together an awful lot, I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> No, he likes Mike <laughs> Mike Johnson, as uh, most of um, the people that I know that uh, work in Washington, D.C. do. But not everybody, Andrew Giuliani, not everybody can boast. Not only do they know and or like or dislike Mike Johnson, they were on Air Force One with Mike Johnson. But you can't yeah. catch him. Yeah, that's right. We, uh, we ended up flying down for the, uh, I think it was for the LSU Clemson national championship game right before COVID in 2020. And, uh, and I got to tell you, I had the, by the way, that was a great game. That was, that was a Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence. That's exactly right. And Burrow was down early and basically just played a perfect game after that. Um, he was, he was fantastic. And you had, I mean, some great people at that game. I remember Vince Vaughn actually came up to the president's box and, uh, and it was funny because I was with him right outside of the box. And we were talking for a couple of minutes, and his phone started blowing up because they started showing him on TV. <laughs> yeah. And he looked and he said, I might have ended my career, but I think it was worth it. And I was like, that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, we his career can't be over left. because I was watching uh, ESPN Game Day, which I do watch every Saturday right. morning, I admit it. And they have a celebrity picker every week, and about three weeks ago it was Vince Vaughn. So the, uh, the liberals at ESPN still like him. That's the good news. Yeah, and he's even been on Curb Your Enthusiasm with Crazy Larry David. So right. He's, he's doing he's doing just fine. Uh, but in terms of Mike Johnson, what you're going to get, you're right. I had the opportunity to spend a little time on Air Force One with him, and, and i got to tell you, he seems like somebody who is uh, really solid, not your typical politician dealmaker, which, you know, look, you can say in the speaker's role you generally want a dealmaker. But I think right now, I think considering how much conservatives – Republicans, conservative causes have been pushed around in Washington, D.C., really over the last 25 years for the most part. I think you want somebody that's principled in there. I think you want somebody that's going to be clear and very forward with the American people about what the goals are. And that's what you're going to get in Mike Johnson. He's already laid out a schedule for appropriations and regular order, which, you know, that sounds that's kind of the boring sausage making process of Congress. But the importance about that is it allows Americans to understand what's in the budgeting process rather than actually getting pushed through at the midnight hour, which basically we've been doing for the last 27 years in Congress. So I love the fact that you have somebody that's going to be honest with the American people in that role at this time. And that's, I think, what you're going to get with Mike Johnson. I got to tell you, you know, I know that a lot of people got a lot of heat over the last 21 days for, you know, the uh, ousting Kevin McCarthy. And the timing certainly, look, you couldn't have been great with the timing considering Israel ended up happening afterwards. But the end might have justified the means. If you're looking at people saying, hey, look, we want somebody who's going to actually fight for our principles in D.C. in Congress, I think you got that with this new leadership team. So I'm, I'm really fascinated to see how the next 
uh, 17 months plays out here uh, in Congress. You sound like my friend Nancy May. She told me the same thing last night. Uh, another terrific, not good, great appearance. We love having you on 740 every Friday morning. Andrew Giuliani, regards to your pop. Thank you so much. You were great. Love you, pal. Thank you. Thank you, Sid. Have a great weekend, my friend. You too. Andrew Giuliani right there. Big 8 o'clock hour about to come your way. We're going to talk to one of the guys that actually voted for Mike Johnson. Back again out of Long Island, my friend Anthony D'Esposito. He's looking to expel George Santos today. We'll talk to Anthony and also in the 8 o'clock hour, Joseph Tacopina plus more on the big show tonight. It's Bill O'Reilly. It's Sid Rosenberg. And we're heading to Huntington. All that coming up, hour number three. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. State police and federal agents could be heard telling Robert Card to come out with his hands up at his Bowdoin, Maine home, but there was no sign of him. State police tonight say these were standard search warrant announcements when executing warrants to ensure the safety of all involved, and it's not clear if he was here. Sources tell us a suicide note located inside the home did not reveal any motive for the shootings that killed 18 people in Lewiston. The suspect seen here on security camera images before entering the bowling alley. Police say he later opened fire at a bar. Lewiston is mourning the loss of 18 members of the community while still sheltering in place. Businesses are deserted as the manhunt for Card continues with warnings that he's armed and dangerous. We can report, um, based on senior military sources, that U.S. warplanes have carried out airstrikes tonight inside Syria against Iranian proxy forces. We don't know the number of strikes. Uh, we were told earlier today that to expect that perhaps uh, F-15s and F-16s would be involved in the airstrikes, but we don't have confirmation yet how, about how many warplanes. But those strikes have been carried out, I'm told. Uh, it is in response to the more than dozen strikes against U.S. bases. Uh, the message is a clear message designed uh, to Iran and its proxy forces to stop carrying out these uh, drone and rocket attacks against U.S. bases. Um, but I'm told that the planes have safely left the area and that the airstrikes uh, are complete at this time. Um, they were uh, targeting multiple locations inside Syria and Iran Iranian proxy forces. BT. Had a nice little dinner the other night with my new best friend, William DeMeo. You familiar with the series Graves End? Yeah, I've watched it. 
I watched the first four. Okay. The first the first year. Two seasons so far. Yep. I'm a little bit behind. Obviously, kids busy working. Right. I, I, yeah, of course. It's my neighborhood. My I love wife, it. My wife and I watched the first series as well, or the uh, first season as well, okay. and we enjoyed it. And the second season even better. I'm two episodes in. Okay. And by the way, Dice Clay is in it. The Dice. Sid, who I love. Sid Rosenberg. Is, is he in Dice it. Dice or is he playing something else? Is he he's, Dice Bell? No, he's playing somebody else. Okay. But he, he, got, he still got that he got Dice the Dice-isms, character. right? Oh, oh man. Great, he's dude. the best. So, and then Sid's in it. Who I think oh, boy, blue. Oh, <laughs> needed the money. <laughs> Sid did a great job as well, but I was talking to William. Sid's got some acting chops? He's actually not bad. I, I can see that. Yeah, he did a good Sid. job. All right. I get off the train yesterday by Wall Street to take the ferry home, and I see this lovely couple, and they say, I listen to you every day, and I can't wait to meet you and O'Reilly on Friday night. Just a random two people on the streets of Wall Street two days before this event. That's how excited New York yeah, is about show. O'Reilly Rosen. It's a big show. The yeah. boys, the Doyle boys who run the uh, Paramount Theater in Huntington, they're good guys, which is really why I'm doing this. I mean, at that venue, I've, I've known them for years. Um, the buzz is incredible, um, and it's just going to be uh, two hours and fifteen minutes of good humor, but with a serious undertone. Um, so anyway, we're looking forward to it, and um, I think there's a few house seats left. It's sold out, but the theater holds back seats, you know, for uh, certain reasons. I think there are a few house seats left, so give the Paramount Theater and Huntington a call if you want to see us. Way across USA, plucked her eyebrows on the way, shaved her legs, and then he was a she. She says, Hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. Said, Hey, honey, take a walk on the wild side. Nice job there by Rich Rodabelli filling in for the vacationing Justin Ellick. Rich has had a great two days with us, usually works with uh, Cats and Cosby. So, Rich. Nice job in that open. Really good job. And he had all the big stories. The manhunt still underway in Maine for Rob Carr, the killer. 18 dead, 13 injured. He's uh, still on the loose. Then the airstrikes in Syria last night. Then my guys, Brandon Tierney and Sal Lacana, middays on the fan. Sal uh, talking about me and Gravesend. And we had the Gravesend guys in studio yesterday getting ready to shoot season number three down in Miami in January. And, uh, of course, finishing up with Bill O'Reilly, the big show tonight. Very excited. And the Very. biggest story, right? That's the biggest story. Which is which is one? The last one. Right. That's, a, of course, the biggest story, yes. Rosenberg and O'Reilly, excuse me, O'Reilly and Rosenberg at the Paramount Theater later on tonight. I've got Anthony D'Esposito on the line. He's now become my favorite congressman. He's out of Long Island. He's been on a bunch the last couple of weeks. So let's get him back on here. Anthony, good morning, buddy. How are you? Sid, what's going on, brother? How are you? I'm uh, I'm doing great. Let's get to a bunch of stories, I guess. Let's start with Mike Johnson. You know, you were on a couple of days ago, and you seemed very confident the morning of the vote, that morning, yeah. that it was going to get done after kicking out, um, not, not that you did, but McCarthy getting kicked out, Jim Jordan failing, Tom Emmer failing. Most Republicans I speak to like the guy. Democrats hate him. He's another election denier. He's a Trump supporter. He's everything bad about America, but I don't care what they say. You tell me, Anthony, why do you like Mike Johnson so much? 
Well, Mike Johnson is a, is a good man, a, a, a very good leader. And uh, I've been getting those same questions uh, all week, you know, the, the election denier, and, and I make it very clear. Uh, it is 2023. Uh, we have record inflation. We have wide open borders. Crime is through the roof in Democrat cities. Uh, Biden's under investigation, and uh, there's insane reckless spending. There is no doubt that Joe Biden is the president of the United States. So that, that's how I, uh, I answer that question. And uh, Mike, listen, he, he's represented Louisiana uh, for, for the last years. Uh, he served on the Judiciary Committee. He is someone who represents a ruby red seat, um, but uh, he's made it very clear to the conference that he would work uh, with all of us, those who represent different districts from, again, the, the reddest districts across the country to those that are more moderate. And, uh, you know, the, the, the 24 hours prior to the vote, as I explained to you the, the other morning, you know, he had a good conversation with the Long Island delegation. And we made it very clear uh, as to what was important to us here in New York and, and uh, what's important to the people that we represent. And, and he was open. And, and he said to us, you know, you got to do uh, what you do, what you think is right and do what's right uh, for for your district. And, and I think that that shows quality leadership and that he has an, an open mind uh, to governing and that he's not going to take, um, you know, what, what he believes personally and and force it down the throats of all the members. He understands that this is a uh, unique and a diverse delegation. Back to the midterms of 2022, which for the most part was a huge disappointment for Republicans, folks like me. But we did uh, gain four seats. Republicans here in New York, uh, three of those on Long Island, Mark Molinaro, of course, upstate. But, you know, you had you and you have uh, Garbarino and Santos. Santos has turned out to be a complete disaster. And I know you're at the very forefront of getting rid of him, talking about expulsion uh, just yesterday. So tell me about the likely odds of expelling Santos. And if not, what next? What is the near future for George Santos? Well, I know he's uh, he's appearing in federal court today. I'm not sure how that's going to end up. Um, obviously, a few months ago, back in uh, probably, I guess, late May, uh, there was a, a motion on the floor to expel George Santos, which I was in favor of. But uh, when the when the whip team uh, conducted their their survey, they didn't have the votes because in order to expel someone from the House of Representatives, it's not an up and down vote. You need a two thirds majority. So at that point, we referred the uh, resolution to the House House Ethics Committee, who who is conducting investigation. And I, I'm told that uh, they will release their findings shortly. Uh, but in the meantime, obviously, you know, two weeks ago or two and a half weeks ago, there was another indictment that was sent down with, I believe, another 10 or a dozen uh, counts that uh, George Santos was charged with. And I think the key uh, and the catalyst as to why we then moved forward uh, with this resolution, which was which was signed on by all the New York uh, freshman Republicans, myself, Nick LaLota, Mike Lawler, Molinaro, and Brandon Williams, um, was because there was, a, there was a guilty plea in there from his treasurer, which makes it clear uh, that this is only going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, and we've, we've seen over the last 10 months that, you know, Santos does not have the ability to lead. And it's clear that when you're, when you're focused on issues, especially personal ones like he is, uh, the, the, the minds and the, uh, the wants of, of the people who supposed to be representing are not going to be at your forefront. So we put up a resolution um, a week and a half ago to expel George Santos. Yesterday, I went to the floor uh, and asked for it to be privileged, which what, what that does is it, it gets it to the floor a little bit quicker. So the parliamentarian has a couple days, a couple legislative days in order to make that uh, decision. And uh, we'll see. It may go to the floor as soon as uh, late next week. 
No, you know I love you, right, Hank? But I got to read you this text because I read this text, and I have to say I agreed with the guy. And it's my friend Johnny Tobacco. You know Johnny, great Staten Island guy, rebel. You know John, Newsmax, right? He says, Sid, why doesn't Esposito focus on the Israel haters like Elon Omar and Rashida Tlaib to have them expelled instead of Republican fellow Republican Santos? If every guy who lied during their election was expelled, there'd be no Congress. So, look, I don't agree that Santos is okay because he lied. That's why I disagree with tobacco. I think he's exaggerating about every guy lying. But his overall point about all this time on Santos, and you've got legitimate Jew haters, people celebrating the murder of Israelis, the murder of Israelis in Congress. John's right. Shouldn't that be your focus? Get him out. Yeah, I mean- and, and listen, we, call, we called them out yesterday. Uh, we, we did a resolution on uh, Wednesday night um, in support of Israel, and there was a, a, a large group, the ones that you'd expect, the Talibs, the Omars, uh, the Bowmans, the AOCs who voted against it. Uh, I know that there's a resolution that was also announced yesterday uh, going after them next week on the floor. So, listen, I understand, and, and they are definitely our target as well, the people who hate Israel, the people who are not standing with our greatest ally, the people who are just straight-up anti-Semites need to be held accountable as well. But I, I would disagree in the fact that this is just about lies. Yes, right now uh, he's just being, uh, you know, he's being tried, and everyone uh, deserves their due day in court. But I think we would all agree uh, you don't need to have a career as, a, as an investigator to see that this is way more than just fabrications and lies when it comes from George Santos. I agree. No, look, if you said to me, who would I rather be expelled, those animals who hate Israel and hate Jews or Santos, I'm going to pick Talib and Omar to Johnny Tobacco's point. But that doesn't mean I don't think that George Santos should be expelled. He absolutely should. One more guy that may deserve expulsion. Not sure if you've seen it yet this morning, Anthony D'Esposito, but Fox News has a new video up of another guy who's part of that BDS movement, a Jew hater and a racist, Jamal Bowman who clearly, clearly pulls that fire alarm with no other intent than to disrupt the Republicans during a very important vote. How in a million years does this guy get away with a fine or some, some I don't know what even went down, but if you see this video today, Jamal Jamal Bowman, he's got to go. I think the, the key to that video is not only that he pulled the alarm, the, the interesting part was that he removed the warning signs from the door first and then pulled the alarm. And this is a guy who, who loves to tout the fact that he's an educator and spent his career as a principal of a school. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a little concerned about what those kids had for fire prevention. But um, I, know that, I know that Nicole Maliotakis is working on a resolution right now in regards to Bowman and, and getting co-sponsors involved. So um, I, I believe that uh, he's also going to uh, be held accountable. Good. What are you going to the doctor for today? What's wrong with you? I'm just going to the dentist, regular, you know, checkup. That's about it. You have I'm cavities? Really about tonight. Are you coming tonight? I'm not. I, I you know, you, you didn't invite me, so I, I couldn't make it. <laughs> I needed to invite you? No, I'm kidding. I actually only found out about it uh, late last night. Oh, no, I, I would, I would have definitely. How far do you live from the, uh, from the Paramount Theater? Probably about 35, 40 minutes. Oh, you, know, you, you should you're come. Gonna be on stage, you're going to be on stage with a fellow Shamanad alumni. Yes. Sid and a Shamanite guy. It's crazy. You should just come. There's a couple of seats still available. There's no way me nor Wally are not going to let you in. You're a, you're a Congress member. So if you want to come, take your wife and come on by. 
I will. I'll shoot you a text later. All right, buddy. Thank you for coming Thank on you. this morning. You're always great. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Be now good. go get those Jew haters when you're done with yeah. Santos and Bowman yeah. and all those lowlifes. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you very much. All right, we got uh, more to do. Joseph Takapina is going to stop by. We're going live to Maine with a big-time Portland journalist. And I may get Alex Trayman back on. He has not been on for a couple of days, but I am seeing reports now that a rocket has hit an apartment building in Tel Aviv. So still more to do, the Fadi edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Jenny said when she was just five years old, there was nothing happening at all. Every time she puts on a radio, there was nothing going down at all. Not at all. Then one fine morning, she puts on a New York station. You know, she don't believe what she heard at all. She started shaking to that fine, fine music. You know, her life was saved by rock and roll. Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
celebrating one of my favorite bands ever, Duran Duran. Save a Prayer is a great song. Man, great song. Memories of 1985, maybe. Simon LeBone, the great singer of Duran Duran, celebrating his 65th birthday today. So we've done Girls on Film, Come Undone, and this one, Save a Prayer. I think this is number three. And on the record with Hungry Like the Wolf. It is. Yes, very good, bro. My freshman year at Fordham, I swear to God, I heard it every other day. Oh, my God, of a, I know. Coming out of a window. I know. It was that and in the air tonight. Oh, Phil Collins. Yes. Because, Can't get enough of that one, yeah, though. Because the kids in the dorm couldn't wait to show off their systems, whatever the heck. The stereo speak, systems. Yeah, yeah. This is 82. Yeah. Oh, that drum solo. Yeah, that's In what, the air tonight. So you would Oof. hear that if you were going coming back from class. You would hear. Oh, you slept there in the dorms? Yeah, I stayed. In the Bronx? Four, all four years, yeah. Well, Wasn't it dangerous? <laughs> if, you le- if you left campus, it was dangerous. Right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, campus is not, and it's more beautiful now. No, it's gorgeous. Than it's ever been right? Maybe. I mean, you got so many impressive people. We always talk about, especially in the entertainment and broadcasting business, Syracuse, from Marv Albert to Mike Tarico to Craig Carton to Mike Lupica to uh, the list goes on and on. But Fordham. Lou Rafino and uh, Michael K, Vince Scully, Connell McShane, Mike Breen, Breeny, Martin Scorsese, Jody McDonald, our own Greg Kelly, and even him. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd be more impressed with Ray Kelly, but I, I do happen to like uh, Greg Kelly. So, it uh, it's quite an impressive list. You know, I, I didn't realize this. So every day when I leave here, Joe Tacopina coming up next. Then we're probably going live to both. This is unbelievable. Both Portland, Maine, and Israel coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, so don't go anywhere. So every day when I leave here, I take the 6 train. I really shouldn't give out my uh, schedule because some of you psychos out there are either love me or hate me. But take the 6 train from 51st to Grand Central, and then I take either the 4 or the 5 down to Wall Street. And I walk from Wall Street to the ferry to go home to the beach. And I noticed yesterday, as I got to the New York Stock Exchange on Wall Street, a lot of folks are there every day taking pictures, you know, it's a big deal, big tourist spot. But yesterday seemed really busy, really busy. And I wasn't sure if it was just a nice day. It was a nice day yesterday, sunny and breezy, or something was going on. But I did kind of look backwards once or twice, because I saw a couple of folks not to be completely honest, I wanted to punch across the face. And as it turns out, and I didn't know this till just moments ago, that rally, which is happening every day, every day in this city, every day, there's a pro-Palestinian, which doesn't exist, a pro-Hamas, pro-murder rally. That's what they are. These are young kids, same kids who are out there for BLM, same kids who are out there for any hate group. Anyone. They're not there for the Palestinians. They're there for Hamas and murder. And it turns out that the latest rally, and there's one every day, was right there on Wall Street last night. And they were gathering, when I was there, around noon. And I only wish, I only wish I can walk through a bunch of these people. I'll take my chances. Go 10 on 1. Go ahead. Knock me down. Kick me in the face. Punch me in the face. I don't care. If I get a couple of shots in, my day's fine. I only wish that I walked in the midst of these animals so I can tell them how I feel. 
But uh, I didn't. So. <laughs> well, the first you should have warned Joe. That's he's going to be getting a phone call. Oh yeah, about that. Takapina so to be on call when that happens. That he's been on happens. call for me, Takapina, for the better part <laughs> of thirty years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only have the best. Hey, listen, say what you want, but when you've got the same attorney as President Trump, you're doing okay, right? Yeah, secret code comes up on his phone, probably. <laughs> yeah. man, man. Well, the aforementioned uh, great Joe Tacopina is going to join me coming up here in a couple of moments. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I know Lady Gaga is on this track at some point. Well, what is this, Lewis? It's called Sweet Sounds of Heaven. I heard it yesterday. Good song, bro. They they made a good record. They made a really good record. I mean, I know Idala asked for a song the other day. That was great. Yeah. And the original song that came out. um, Angry. Angry, very good. Mick Jagger and Keith Richards still getting it done at 80. Oh, Richards is 78, but... It's like 90. This is a great song. It sounds like old. Yeah, it does. Old Let It Bleed stuff. Unbelievable. Good for them. Yeah, it's crazy. Talking about that, uh, I know you heard this on Fordham Station. We talked about all those impressive Fordham graduates. And uh, excuse me, I apologize for leaving out my niece, my niece, Olivia Takapina, who not only graduated from Fordham, but Olivia graduated magna cum laude. Damn. Yeah, she's a lot smarter than you, Louis. Show off. <laughs> Takapina's kids are really okay. smart. I guess if you want to go in that direction. I guess. All right. So I spoke to my favorite homosexual this morning. And you know who that is? Uh, Mr. Uh, Come on. Mike. No. No. Come no. on. Um, uh, Not Mario uh, Cantone and Gravesend <laughs> with me. <laughs> Bill White. Bill White. Yes. Oh. Bill White, who, uh, that's how he's known on this show. It's his favorite homosexual. Good shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good joke. And he uh, was at a fundraiser for Trump last night at Mar-a-Lago. A whole bunch of folks. Roseanne Barr was there last night. And uh, I saw some of these speeches. And I was on the phone with Sergio Gore when he was with Trump yesterday. And Trump, of course, sent me that beautiful note this week. Anyway, the president raised $6 million last night. $6 million at Mar-a-Lago. Pretty good night. And uh, my next guest is his attorney. Uh, Joe Takapina is the best defense attorney in the country, not just Trump, but a whole bunch of folks. Good morning, Joseph. How are you? I'm good, Sydney. My blood pressure got a little kick this morning when I heard you on the air admitting to crimes.
times that you want to commit. So if you yeah. don't mind, you could think about it. Well, I'll go with you. We'll go together. We'll go kick all their asses, the two of us. <laughs> if you just can't, don't mind putting it on a record where it's recorded and then yeah. it will be used in our trial. That's you a good point. Yeah. Yeah, just think about it. You don't have to admit the crime on the air, so it's it's fine. But You, know, you think I would have learned my more, lesson. Makes it more exciting. Joe, yeah, you yeah, no, it makes it more exciting. No, but, no, but you think I would have learned my lesson uh, dating back 20 years ago when I told Imus to basically steal cable TV and I got home <laughs> I got home that morning it was a true story and 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 I left the WFAN studios in uh, Astoria Queens and I got to my apartment at the time I was living in Battery Park a beautiful building right across the street from the Holocaust Museum and I walked in it was a guy sitting there with this big envelope and he goes oh my god you're Sid Rosenberg I go yes I am he goes I'm a huge fan would you sign this for me and he handed me a document I wasn't off the air for an hour from the federal government. <laughs> so you're right. Uh, uh, saying stuff on the air is not uh, not good before you do it, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was our first case, and I appreciate you yeah. making the admission on the air in that case. So, I mean, like, well, well, it wouldn't be a case unless you made a full-blown admission before you hired me, and then we have to get out of it. So it's great. It's, that's okay. You know what's funny about that, Tack? For, like, Danielle goes to law school many, many years later, you know. And when you go to law school now, I swear to God, one of the cases – that they have in one of the classes. I'm not sure what class. Sid Rosenberg versus Direct TV. <laughs> no, oh my God! I swear to God. Great. <laughs> yeah, great. yeah we did it big, bro. We did it big. The legal system in this country, no doubt. <laughs> Talking about the legal um, system, I spoke to both uh, Dersh and Arthur this week. But you're the guy. You're the main guy, the big boss, the big guy, and you represent Trump. Both of those guys seem to be somewhat concerned about what's going on in Georgia, while everybody admits these indictments are nonsense and clearly, clearly an attempt to get Trump to stop running because he's kicking ass. You know, he's actually only down nine points in New York. He was down 21. He's down nine. So everybody's coming to the realization that, that he's getting screwed here. But Georgia seems to be a point of contention, Joseph. You know, but it, there's no surprises here. I mean, what did you think? Listen to this. She charges, the prosecutor charged everyone with a RICO, state RICO laws. Okay, RICO, racketeering. That's what RICO stands for, racketeering, influence, corruption, organization. Okay, so racketeering. That's normally reserved for drug cartels and mobsters. She charged this group with RICO. RICO carries a mandatory minimum in the state of Georgia of five years in prison if you're convicted, meaning that's the least you can get. There's no below that, okay? So what did you think was going to happen when she went to all these lawyers who were working and, and, and working on this, 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 you know, dispute on the election and offered them a walk in the park, a misdemeanor and probation. I mean, you have to be insane not to consider that, right? So, of course. Yeah, but with that said, but by the way, with that said, that. Joseph, I got to tell you, and you know this girl better than I do. I know of her for over the years, of course. Even with all that said, and I'm sure they, they put the screws to you and make you very, very nervous. Yep. I was still a little surprised that Jenna Ellis flipped. You know what? And here's, let me tell you my take on that. You know, look, I think she's someone who was sort of left out on an island by herself. And you have to, you have to, you know, someone who, who's working with and for you. Look, here's the problem with Jen Ellis. She had no money. She couldn't defend herself, Sid. That's the fact of the matter. She could not defend herself. And she had a, I think she went in and put a, a, some, some, you know, page to raise money for herself. Go fund me for her legal defense. Her legal defense in this case, if she went to trial, would be millions of dollars. Um, she couldn't do it. So, so unfortunately, 
you know, and, and by the way, when you say flipped, let's not, everyone's jump at the conclusion, flipped means flipped against President Trump. It's not necessarily the case. I heard her statements, by the way. Her statements, if I were, um, you know, representing the president in that case, I wouldn't be that concerned about her statements because she said she actually believed what she was doing. You know, now she should have done her own due diligence. So she actually believed what she was doing at the time. Okay, so there was I nothing. So she didn't say that President Trump made her. Because the, the guy that no. also. Okay, so the guy that scares me that I think, that I thought at least, and this is why I'm so glad you're here, Joseph, that I thought said that he did do that was Mark Meadows. Is that not true? Yeah. That Well, we have that remains to be seen. Mark Meadows' attorney has adamantly denied that, right? So we have to see, look. Just because ABC News reports something doesn't make it true, right? Or the New York Times or whatever. Sure. Yeah. I mean, right? So, so they're all reporting that he's flipped on Trump. He's going to put the screws to, to President Trump. But the problem is we don't know what he said in the grand jury or to the U.S. attorneys in their private meetings with them and the FBI. We do know that his attorney saying that's not true. And honestly, Mark Meadows is giving immunity in the, in the Washington, D.C. federal case. Immunity. Okay? So that means he probably admitted he did something wrong. Now, I don't know what he's going to say about President Trump. He could say, look, here's the worst case scenario. I told President Trump the election wasn't stolen. I told him it wasn't stolen. Good for you, Mark Meadows. That doesn't mean President Trump believed it, believed you, or believed that it wasn't stolen. So it's the, 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 the case all boils down to the state of mind of President Trump. At the time, these statements were made, and the time he took certain actions, at the time lawyers took certain actions. If he truly believed that this election was stolen, even if he's wrong, but he truly believed in good faith, regardless of, of what other people are saying was obvious, that it wasn't sold and whatnot. It's not a crime for him to do what he did. Right. And that's what it's going to boil right. down to. So whatever Mark Meadows thought about himself and what he thought about the election, even what he said to President Trump, unless he has evidence where, pre- evidence where President Trump said, look, Mark, I know this election wasn't stolen, but let's go out there and perpetrate this fraud on the American public and say it was stolen. Unless there's evidence of that, that's devastating stuff. Got it. They don't have that. No, they don't They're have never that. They're never going to have yeah. that. And that, that's, that's what it boils down to. So all these people flipping, flipping, and, and we don't know what that means, really. They're pleading guilty. They've agreed to testify truthfully. It doesn't mean they're going to put the screws to President Trump. I Honestly, none of these things have fazed me. Yeah, Mark Meadows is, is the one closest to him. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, we'll, see, yeah. we'll see where he goes. Well, I'm, 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 glad you, I'm glad you straightened that out. So earlier this week, I get a picture. Now, Joseph Tacopina is so Italian. His name, Tacopina, very Italian. I think his middle name is even Anthony. Um, he has an office or had an office uh, for a long time in Italy. He speaks fluid Italian like I speak Brooklynese. He is a knight, a knight in Italy. He owns a soccer team in Italy. Italian dignitaries at the Columbus Day Parade walked up to Joseph, picked him out of a crowd to talk Italian to Joseph. He, at one point, even sat there with Bruce Cutler, representing John Gotti. He And, and, and his penis, by the way. He's definitely Italian, not Jewish. But yet, he sent me a... <laughs> He sent me a picture a couple days ago as a little boy, Joseph Takapina, wearing a yarmulke and blowing out birthday candles at a yeshiva in Brooklyn. Is that not true? That's me. I graduated yeshiva. Listen to this. My mother, and you know Joseph, I mean, she was adamant that I won't get an education because they grew up pretty poor, and she wanted this to be done differently, right? No one went to college in my family. She wanted to be sure, one, I got an education, two, I lived to get an education. So where we, where I grew up, there was no me going to public schools. That wasn't an option. She went to the rabbi, insisted 
that we had some Jewish connections because my aunt and uncle are Jewish and, and, and got me into yeshiva. Okay, so yes, if you look at the roll call of the graduation of that class, Rabinowitz, Schwartz, Rosenberg, Klein, see, Takopina, <laughs> I mean, just, it looks, it's the weirdest looking thing in the world. And I have it. I'll send you a screenshot of that later today. It's strange. But you know what? I went to yeshiva, that's my yarmulke. Um, oh, it's great. Well, listen. So you went to Yeshiva, and then my parents sent me to Poly because I also was not allowed to go to Madison or public schools. So you went uh, from davening with the Jews. Next thing you know, I'm sitting in mass every morning uh, paying homage to Jesus. <laughs> so it only made sense. <laughs> but, but I got to ask you, uh, but on a serious note, like when, when you said uh, you texted me, people don't know this. When I talked about uh, I was hoping to God that these uh, pro-Hamas, pro-murder, I don't talk about pro-Palestinians, they don't exist. Pro-Hamas, pro-murder people walk down Wall Street. I go through Wall Street to get home every day. I only wish I was there to beat these people up. And you said, let me join you. You say that from a really sincere place. Like, you love the Jewish people. 100%. No, no. I, I love the Jewish people, but I hate murderers and I hate I hate terrorists and I hate cowards. Um, I do love the Jewish people. I think they're a, a different breed of tough. Okay, uh, you know, I, I study some of the the, the martial arts that are actually um, founded by the Jewish people and, and 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 their their military, which is to me the most ferocious in the world. Um, but but I hate murderers and I hate people who who pretend to to embrace a political motive. For slaughtering babies, innocent young kids at a party—that's coward stuff, Sid. I mean, no, when, I, no. I, when I hear about an act of war, or or they're they're holding their position, or they're taking a you know responding to oppression, you don't respond to oppression by going to a club, killing babies, children, no, no. decapitating three-year-olds, oh, putting it on camera, Ra- raping, raping, stuff. raping their daughters There's in the no street. Just- no, no justification no. for any of that. And so when, they, you bring they, that they, when you bring that and there's retribution for that, you're responsible for that retribution. I'm sorry. And and honestly, said I was serious when I wrote you that. I walked down with you because anyone, anyone, I see another guy with one of those those Hitler, um, you know, signs there and, and stuff like that. I mean, I'll, I'll be with you. Well, no, I know you will. Hell out of well, me. you're very well, strong. Both of us have now admitted on on national radio yeah. that we're going to commit yeah. assault. So yes, we are. You're going to have to make a few calls against us. Hey, listen, if, if we get arrested doing that, no one's going to be mad at us, trust me. But it does bring me to the final point of this conversation, which this is one of the best ones we've ever had. You talk about you hate cowards, you hate terrorists. Well, this Robert Card, who's still missing in Maine, walked into a bowling alley and basically did, without cutting off their heads and raping and all that, Hamas did worse, obviously. But he went there and shot a whole bunch of kids and murdered a whole bunch of people. And that brings up the same thing every time. The bodies aren't even collected yet. And the Democrats, these animals, are animals. Uh, right away, Joe and Mika yesterday morning are discussing gun laws. Now, as far as I know, Joseph, in the next two minutes, we have the strictest gun laws in the cities that have the most shootings. New York, Chicago, and all gun laws do, as far as I know, is make life very, very difficult for legal gun owners. People who want to kill these criminals, they will get their guns legally, illegally. They will find a way to kill. So you tell me what I'm missing in this discussion. Here's what you missing, Sid. And this is, remember when Bernie and I, and you used to go at this, and I, I was ferociously, and we call it gun, you know, gun laws. I mean, Gun laws, really, it's safety laws. Because to me, I'm just let's just talk this on a real base level. There is not an individual in this country who needs a gun, unless you're a military or law enforcement. We, none of us need weapons. Why do we need weapons to protect people from, from against other people who have weapons? Well, if if no one had weapons, look, 
I just point out that Maine, by the way, we talk about gun laws. Maine has the most atrocious gun laws. Maine, actually, the Senate rejected a bill in June of this year that would have required background checks for private gun sales. How do you reject a bill that requires background checks for private gun sales? Maine did it. Maine did it. And this is a byproduct of that stuff. I mean, Sid, I know we, we disagree on this. And, you know, I respect you and your opinions, and you're as ferocious as that as can be for what you believe in. But to me, compare America to any other country in this universe, and it's atrocious. Our numbers are staggering. Our numbers cannot be it, – it's all about guns. Guns are – you know, people talk about, oh, well, people have illegal guns. I need illegal gun. Guns are not born illegal. All guns are born legal. They become illegal because they're purchased through these loopholes and then put on the streets. But we have to we, listen. Compare us to the United Kingdom. I'll just say that well, they had two in, in the course of 35, 40 years. They had two shootings. Okay, they banned auto, semi-automatic weapons in '87 when it happened once there. They've not had another one. I know. Shooting with an I know. Believe it, but, but both, the, both, both of our daughters, both of our daughters went to school there. I know all about it. And Morgan lives there. So it's to me, it's it's a country on scale with the United States, yet they have none of these mass shootings, which seem to be almost a weekly occurrence now. Said children are getting slaughtered. Sandy Hook, 20 minutes from here in Westport, kids were killed. You know, babies. It happened in Kirkland. I mean, and now, now yesterday, and it's almost becoming, you're becoming almost numb to it. Another shooter. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely a problem that if we don't fix and address, it's never going to end. You know, it's just never going to end. And to me, you know, there's really no argument for, for a, an individual having a gun. Okay, you know, fair I enough. Know all these, I just know, I know the Second Amendment, but amendments are meant to be changed. Look, 1776 was a different time. Yeah, I agree. It's actually worse now. I, I agree, it's worse now. I actually wish that uh, all those uh, young men and women who ended up being raped and burned alive and, and murdered in uh, Israel that morning had an AR-15 right by their beds, like many Americans do, so they can defend themselves. But, but I respect you and your opinion, and you're probably smarter than me, and I love you, but I will not change my mind on this one. Guns are good. They only get bad when they end up in the hands of bad people, and that happens a lot less, a lot less than you read about with good people who actually defend themselves because the media are bigger terrorists than even Hamas. Anyway, I love you. Thank you. Love you, too. <laughs> I just want to say no guns, no mass shootings. Not, that's true. A simple equation. No, that's true. You're right. You're right. But then again, you know, if the Israelis lay down their guns today, what would happen? See, if Hamas laid down their guns today, the world would be over. The, the war would be over. We're talking about fighters. We're talking about. We're talking about people. Oh, listen, Joseph. Joseph, okay. get ready. America's not going to be all that different. I know I sound crazy. I'm not that guy. You know that. I'm not. But get yeah, ready. Get ready. We are. We're not going to be that different if these if these things continue. These policies, and you need to protect yourself. So go get a gun yeah, and stop talking like this. And you, you, you can get a good gun. You, you don't have a gun. I know that, right? So I mean, oh, because I Dan, no, gun. because Danielle will kill me. Say <laughs> <laughs> I'm there. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, by the <laughs> way, Tish would kill you too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love you. You were great. <laughs> great job, Joseph. Thank you. There he is, the best defense attorney in the country, and he's great every Friday morning at eight forty. My friend of forty six years. The very handsome Joseph Takapina. All right, that wraps up our third hour today. We're going live to Maine. Get the latest on court. Live to Maine and live to Israel, where a rocket hit a building in Tel Aviv this morning. 
live in Maine, live in Israel. You don't want to miss this. Last hour of the week. Coming back. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Happy 65th birthday once again to Simon LeBone, one of my favorite bands here, Duran Duran, Ordinary World. Lou Rufino, you're on fire today, buddy. On fire. Great job by Simon. What a show today. Brian Kilmeade, Curtis Sliwa, Andrew Giuliani, Congressman Anthony D'Esposito, Joseph Tacopina. This will be a very special hour. We are going live today to both Maine and Israel. You know, George V., I'm a little upset that George V. didn't speak at the Back to Blue um, rally we had a couple of days ago because he was a great FBI guy and now does a terrific job protecting John and Margo here and all of us. And Fordham guy. Well, that's what he just sent me. Yeah. He said, you I... missed the best Fordham grad, me. That's right. Cause he, he... he also mentioned Vince Lombardi. That's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. And Wellington Mara, another great one. Wow. Excellent job by George V. George, I love you, man. I love you. Great job. George V. And, yes, another great Fordham grad. All right. We got, uh, we'll got. go live to Maine right now. Let's do it. Matt Gagnon is the morning show host at WGAN Radio. He's also part of a think tank. I'm not exactly sure what town that's in. We'll get to Matt right now. Matt, Sid Rosenberg, New York City. How are you, pal? It's a pleasure to talk to you. Nice to talk to you, too. I've got hit. In, I have, I'm sorry, I have a history in Maine. You don't know this, but maybe you do. How old are you? I'm 42. 42. You may or may not remember, but uh, yeah, probably too young. Late 1990s, when I started my radio career, 
My partner, Scott Kaplan, and I were syndicated by Westwood One and Sports Fan Radio Network in about 70 markets across America. And uh, one of those markets was yours. We would do live shows every year, mostly in the winter, but sometimes in the summer from Sugarloaf Ski Resort. Uh, one of my favorites, yeah. Yeah, and we did shows in Water, is it Watertown or Waterville? I forget. Waterville. Yeah, yes. Waterville. Yeah, we did a bar in Waterville. We had 500 people in Waterville, Maine. How far are you from, uh, from those areas? Uh, well, I grew up in Bangor, so that would be about an hour away from Waterville. Right now, I'm down near Portland. Um, so, uh, we're about water, about the same, about an hour away. Yeah. About an hour of Portland. And how far uh, where you are is from the, Horrific uh, uh, scene that took place a couple nights ago. Well, Bodwin is where this uh, this guy caught live, but in Lewiston, Maine. How far is that? Yeah, so Lewiston's about 35 minutes-ish from Portland, um, so very close to us. In fact, I spend a lot of time in Lewiston and Auburn. And for people who don't know the area, Lewiston and Auburn um, are, we call them twin cities here, um, and they sort of collectively are about the size of Portland. Um, so it's Maine's second biggest city, and it's uh, not that far from the biggest city. So it's uh, right. it's a pretty important place. A great history. I mean, as Curtis Sliwa, the great Curtis Sliwa, reminded me yesterday, Muhammad Ali fought in Lewiston, Maine. How about yes, that? Yes, he did. That's the uh, that's the famous photograph with, when he's standing there taunting, um, you know, with his arm up like that. That's actually in Lewiston, Maine. People don't know that. Yeah, he fought uh, Sonny Liston, the great Sonny Liston in Lewiston, Maine. So a lot of history up there. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous state. Like I said, I was there quite a bit in that five-year period, and it would be one of the last places I would ever think would have happened what happened just a couple nights ago. But it did happen at a bowling alley with a bunch of little kids and, of course, at a bar. Last I heard, Matt, and you're there on that, 18 dead, 13 injured. That that number's down because originally I heard 22 dead and 50 injured. What are the accurate numbers this morning? No, you've got the right ones. Um, I think that the, the numbers that, you know, had 20, 22, those were mostly rumors. You had heard some people talking about that, but it was unconfirmed. The police came out and gave a confirmed um, amount yesterday, and uh, it was definitely 18, 13. So you have those numbers correct, although they are having a press conference at 10 o'clock this morning, and they may update those numbers there. Do we have any idea? Once again, Matt Gagnon, morning show host at WGN Radio. He's got a great voice, by the way, so he's probably a great morning host. Um, you. You're welcome. Any idea of how many of those 13 injured are, are in critical condition, severe? We don't know that. They haven't really given us a lot of details about the specific condition of each of those people. I can tell you, though, that many of them are in very uh, rough shape. Some people are on ventilators, and there's a lot of people oh. that are in critical condition, but I don't know how many, no. And we don't know if they're kids or not, because I was told that there was a birthday party at that bowling alley, and a one year old kid was killed. We don't know if any of those 13 numbers were kids, do we? No, in fact, there's still 10 people that have yet to be identified. The um, the individual in this case that they're looking for, uh, Robert Card, he's actually been charged by police with eight counts of murder so far, and that's only because the additional 10 people that he definitely did kill have yet to be identified, and once they are, they'll add those charges to him. So at this point, those 10 people being un- unidentified, we know nothing about them. Um, we've certainly seen the people that we have identified, and most of those that I have seen have been uh, you know, fortunately, adults. I mean, I hate to say fortunately, but you know right, what I mean. Right. Yes. Um, it's. It, I haven't seen little kids yet, but we certainly know about those birthday parties, and I know there was children there. So it's. Yeah. Uh, we're waiting, um, sadly, for more details. Yeah, we know uh, one 14-year-old is dead. Him and his father, but the rest. You're yeah. right. I've, I've been watching Leroy Walker on television all morning long. His adult son Joey 
actually went at the gunman with a butcher knife. Real courageous guy, and of course, yeah. he was killed. So I read this story, Matt, and you're there again. You can confirm or deny that Card's sister-in-law actually said, quote, he's one of the nicest, heartwarming, beautiful people I've ever met. Talking about Robert Card, who committed these uh, heinous acts. She said he's basically had a couple of rough months, I swear. And she said, you know, he was in both of those places, the bowling alley and the bar, not that long ago. And he was a paranoid schizophrenic, and he thought that people were talking about him, insulting him. And she said, Robert, 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 stop. They weren't talking about you. And he's like, oh, you don't believe me? He goes, they were talking about me. So what I read was when these shootings took place, and she saw those two specific places she called her husband, happened to be Robert Card's brother, right away and said, oh, my God, please tell me Robert didn't do this. And, of course, he did. Is that a, a story going on up there in, in Maine? Yep, all that's confirmed. That's correct. Um, we certainly have heard that. I think that it's a little more nuanced. I mean, she was talking about the fact that he's, you know, such a great guy and whatnot, but in the last, say, six months or so, he's, he's changed. And we've heard reports, these are confirmed by police, who sent this out in a bulletin, that he had made specific threats against a local Army reservist base down here, that he had been hearing voices recently, and that this summer, sometime around August, he was actually involuntarily committed into a mental uh, facility for about two weeks. So he clearly has had some severe mental health challenges, at the very least recently. And that's one of the things that I think as time goes by here, we're going to be learning more about this. Somebody somewhere dropped the ball, because as somebody who had this kind of uh, problem uh, clearly should have been subjected to Maine's yellow flag law. There should have been, I mean, there's there's so many things that probably should have happened with this guy that probably didn't. And uh, we'll learn more when we more, know more details, but we certainly know this, this individual is disturbed, and at least in the recent um, history here in the last several months, he's had a lot of mental health episodes. I, mean, I don't know what kind of radio you do, whether it's political or sports. I don't know. Uh, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, I don't care. But I can tell you these Democrats are animals. If you're one of those, I apologize. Uh, but they're animals. I mean, the, the bodies are still laying on the you're floor. You're friends. Don't worry about it. Okay, good, good, good. They're talking about gun control. You just nailed it. I've talked about it for two days. It's not about gun control. This guy, they knew about this guy. He threatened to shoot up a base. And not only is he out there not being flagged, He's on firearms instructor. And by the yeah. way, the second best one in the class. Are you nuts? Yeah. This is about crazy people, not guns. Yeah, obviously that's the conversation that if you want to actually solve this problem, you know, you're really going to have to start talking about that kind of thing. Because for a person like this, from my understanding of Maine's law as it exists today, because I was there when they made it. I mean, you know, you mentioned I was uh, head of a think tank. We were in the middle of all this. We, you know, we worked on that bill. They put in things to stop a guy like this. Right. You know, if you have somebody who's making a violent threat, they've interacted with a healthcare professional and has made, there's been a diagnosis, right, which, of course, there was. He was at an institution. Right. So when those types of things happen, that's when your guns are taken away. And that's when you, you are in the system so that something can stop you from acting like this. So for that to have not worked. You know, either the law was flawed in some way and it wasn't enforced correctly or we just haven't done things the right way. I don't know. But somebody messed up somewhere. No doubt about it. Over the last couple of decades here in New York, Matt, I've had that uh, creepy experience of walking around the city. This is a very big city, much bigger than Maine, but walking around the city when basically nobody was out. That was uh, 9-11 yeah. and uh, COVID, most recently COVID in every city. I go onto subway platforms where the day before there were a thousand people. The next day I was the only one. And now in uh, Lewiston, for sure, maybe Bodo and two and some other neighboring towns, 
they're basically telling people don't go outside. I know the schools are closed, stores are closed. This guy is still on the loose. How long can they afford to do that? Keep these people basically locked up inside before they start going crazy. Yeah, as I drove around my town, which is, again, about 35 minutes away from where this took place, um, yesterday there was nobody on the road and all convenience stores, restaurants. I mean, even our local supermarket was closed. And that that was a surreal experience. It definitely brought me back to COVID. Um, But today I'm seeing that most of those same places are open. So I think the answer to your question is not very long. But in the area around where they're still searching, which is Lewiston, Lisbon, and that kind of sort of central Maine uh, area, um, I think you're still going to see people basically going nowhere and shut down for a little bit of time. But I, 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 you can't keep going. It can't keep going forever. Well, what is the consensus uh, from people there like you? Is it that he has gone into the woods because I read the woods are so thick that you can't even see in between trees? And let's face it, this guy's a survivalist. He's a hunter. He hunts deer. And he can survive in those conditions for a long time, and they'll never find him. Or do they think he's traveling or holed up somewhere, willing and ready to do this again? What is the consensus on what he's doing today? I think that the answer to you is we don't know. There's many places you could hide in Maine. This is an excellent state. If you wanted to disappear and never be found, you could you could easily find ways of doing that here. And that's one of the things that's concerning about this. Yeah, certainly the woods is one option. But he also abandoned his car at a boat ramp. Um, so you know, he had just purchased a boat apparently earlier this year. He could have you know, found some way of getting on, you know, one of Maine's rivers and then into the ocean. We have absolutely no idea at this point. And right now the local news is spending time when the police go to a facility and they're storming it to see if he's inside of it, just kind of going location to location where they think that he might be. And then, of course, they find out that he's not there. Um, that's pretty much what's uh, what's on our TV right now. So it's uh, I don't know when they're going to catch him. I think they will, but I think it's going to take a while. Yeah, I was watching Laura Ingram on Fox News last night when uh, they were outside one house. And watching it on TV, I got the feeling that he was there. And then I heard Randy Sutton out of Las Vegas say, nah, 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 you know, you're hearing all those announcements. That is protocol. That is common when you have a search warrant. And sure enough, they ended up at two or three different places, homes where he has stayed. He was not in any of them, in any of them. So I don't know how many other homes they can go to today. It seems like wherever Robert Card stayed, his house, his sister's house, he's not there. Yeah, we don't know how this is going to end, but it will eventually. But I think this might take time. And unfortunately, guys, I do have to go because I have another interview lined up. But uh, we're going to be sitting in, in here doing this for a while, I think. Well, God bless you. Stay safe. And whatever you're doing next is not nearly as big as Sid in New York. So congratulations. Not at home. all. Thanks a lot for inviting <laughs> me, guys. Right, Matt, take care. There he is, Matt Gagnon, morning show host at WGAN Radio in Maine. That was awesome. And I have to tell you, that the producer credit, once again, goes to Noam Laden, who uh, has actually booked all of our guests live from Israel, which includes Carolyn Glick and Alex Treyman and Matt Gagnon. So, nicely done, Noam. Thank you very much. And talking about Noam and Alex Treyman, he's coming up next. We go from Maine to Israel, where a rocket has hit a residential building, I believe, in Tel Aviv. Alex Treyman is next.
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From our friends. 77 WABC. It's a good Friday song, a good weekend song. I feel like when I used to listen to the uh, the 5 o'clock whistle on Z100, and they used to play like 10 songs in a row, like everybody's working for the weekend and journey, and I feel like this one was in there. You think it was? The 5 o'clock whistle with Z100. It would be in today's 5 o'clock whistle probably, yeah. You think so, right? Yeah. Who sings this again? Modern English. That's right. Very good. I'll stop the world and melt with you. I'm actually sad now. Why are you sad? Well, I'll tell you why, Rich. I'm glad you asked. How'd you know? Well, you said you were sad. Oh, you're right. I said it. You're right. Got him. Losing my mind. Because later on tonight, while thousands of family and friends and distinguished people will be gathering to watch Bill O'Reilly and Sid Rosenberg on stage together, my guy... My sidekick, my right-hand man, my Kanicki, Lou Rafino, is going to be at some Goyesha wedding rehearsal. Right. Anything where I'm not with you yeah. is completely down on the list. It's a ter- terrible. Uh, no, it's not, just, it's not. It's just Goyesha. There's no Jews. You don't have any Jewish friends except for me. None. Why? And why does that mean it's non-Jewish. Why? Because I just know. I, I know who you hang out with and MJ's family, and there are no Jews. So I'm the only Jew you've got. That's it. You're trite, and I take full advantage of it. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, <laughs> you're not going to Catatonia, New York, and hanging out with Jews. No, so no, all no, I no, said no. was, it's a Goyesha wedding rehearsal. It's not a uh, It's not a negative. It's not derogatory. Well, maybe it is just a little bit. I don't know. Not pejorative, Bernie. I got right. it, yes. But now you're wrong about Catatona. Right. Now you got me saying it, because there it it is one of my friends is of the faith. Please, Jewish. No. I mean, you just you're starting to get like Joe Biden. I swear to God, you oh, lie with okay. a straight face. Listen, Jack, I am not. <laughs> that's not. Well, no, who's getting no. married? Who's this uh, person? It's MJ's niece. Oh, that's cute. How old is she? Um, almost thirty. I think. Okay, cool. And, and do they live in the city? This young lady? Or? Yes. In in uh, Queens? Queens. Or, oh, by us. No. No. Okay. And where's the actual... Well, don't tell them what the actual wedding is yeah, at. But... <laughs> you know enough. Is MJ in the bridal party? No. There's really no okay. bridal, bridal party. Oh, it's, it's, it's so good. Why? It's going to be like a uh, no, it's gonna some be... old DJ playing. It's going to be good. That part... Oh, I think you have that right. <laughs> no question about it. I think you have that right. You're going to be playing... Uh, 
What is that store in the Three Stooges? <laughs> what? The shuffle? What do they call that? The curly, curly shuffle? The curly shuffle. There you go. <laughs> 18 beers in, everybody dancing to the curly shuffle? No. no. What I'll be outside. Then. Maybe putting on the Ritz. <laughs> yeah, that one will be out there, too, no question. No, no, no. It won't be that bad. You know who took the ferry with MJ yesterday? I do know. Gabe Rosenberg. Gabe. He was all excited. It's so cute. He's like, oh, MJ, she's great on that. She knows everybody. Yeah. She does. She, she knows a, everybody. She has a lot of friends. Yeah. It's she cool. Has, yeah. She's met a lot of people, which yeah. is good. I'm glad. So last time she's like this, and a lot of politi- political people and all kinds of cool ex, folks. Ex-cops. Ex-cops. Cops. I met one last time. Great guy. Uh, John. Yes. John Blum. He's a very good guy. Very good, yes. He would, he's good. He's a really good person. What's his, John what now? Blum. Yes, great guy. Great guy. Yeah. And uh, he's done security, and he's been a cop in New York for Tough-looking guy, too. Yes. Handsome I, guy. Yeah. 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 No, MJ is uh, the real deal. We love MJ. We love you, too. So I'm all sad you're not going to be there, but I get it. I am sad, You're going to an important thing. I get it. I'm sad. I would believe... It's not like Bernie. Bernie wouldn't show up because he he was just home watching, (laughs) you know... UFC. UFC, yeah. I go, Bernie, who's fighting tonight? doesn't matter. There's great fights. I go, what's the name of the fighter? I don't know. It doesn't matter. They're great fights. Johnny Paul Wang is (laughs) fighting Danny Ramirez. (laughs) It's always Ramirez, yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm going to have those tall boys, and I'm going to, it's my right. Friday. I got my Foster's Lager, some old weed that Dave Wiener got me about 30 years ago. I'm going out on my porch, and uh, God bless him. I mean, if it's you and Bill O'Reilly, he had had to. Well, you know, the last there. time, it's funny you say that, and Bernard um, did have his birthday yesterday. He may be gone, but certainly not forgotten, so happy birthday, B. But the, uh, the, the other time that I went to a Bill O'Reilly show, and now you're dating back before COVID, Going back about four years ago, Bill O'Reilly invited me and Bernard up on stage, and we did one segment. We didn't share the marquee like tonight. It wasn't the Bill O'Reilly with Bernie and Sid. It was Bill O'Reilly, but he did invite us up on stage. He gave money to uh, both of our charities, me and Bernard, and Bernard and I did a bit of a question-answer session with the uh, folks who showed up, that's and they loved cool. it. That's cool. Yeah, Bernie yeah. was great. I was Bernie actually did a little bit of uh, work by himself that night. I didn't, so he'd be. Um, well, I'm sure he's watching. I'm sure he's very proud to see that. Uh, Bill is sharing smart. the marquee yeah. with and Bill. Bill is smart to have you guys, uh, and he knows what he's doing. Oh yeah. So this it's bound to be really good. Tonight. I think it'll it's be about, good. Thank oh, you. Yeah, Thank you. It's got to be really good. Mike Sullivan will be there. He's uh, texting me for some reason a lot. I don't know. He's got pictures. <laughs> so he's got those the same ones I've got? I don't know. Jackie Hunter and uh, I don't know. I just don't know. Hi, Jackie. How are you? Got to love Mike Sullivan. And his brother, Thomas, who will be there tonight, too. Oh, now I'm jealous. I'm kind of not happy. You're fine. You're going to have like 12 <laughs> beers and I have no idea where you are anyway. Well, that Let's would be, be honest. That would be the case either place I'm at. <laughs> Doesn't matter about exactly. <laughs> hey, Bill, why don't you yeah. sing a little bit? Come you on. Know, you know, that's yeah. the good thing about the Paramount. They have the bars on alongside. Yeah, they do. The audience. That's there, right. right. Yeah, they do a good oh, job with wow. that. They yeah. set it up. Oof. Yeah, they set it up smart. Dangerous. So. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we got some more to do. We'll get to Nolanwood traffic. We'll come back and we'll get a little clip from Bill O'Reilly talking about uh, tonight's event. If you're going tonight and you want to call in, you can do that. So 888 888- well, I forgot the number. I haven't even taken calls in so long. Those are awful. Is it 888 or 800? I forgot already. 800, I think, 848-9222. 800-848-WABC. If you're going tonight, call in, and uh, I'll try to put you on. I don't know. We'll see.
I don't really take calls because don't do it. <laughs> so now you're going to have a bunch of people calling you for tickets now. You know that. Well, no, right? there's no tickets. Well, we are sold out. There are no tickets. Don't bother calling. Don't ask. There are no tickets oh, and haven't been. But what do you think people are going to Well, if you're going there tonight, day. you're looking forward to meeting me and Bill. Just say, hey, Sid, I bought tickets. I'll see you later on tonight. Okay. I, I predict all day you're still going to get inundated. Well, I'm still getting people asking me for tickets. That is true. Friends are like, I'm coming tonight. I go, how? I, you don't understand. You're not coming. All I need is a folding chair and just yeah. put me on the side. You could do that. Like I Woodstock. Mean, we'll make it like Woodstock. Right. Well, Lay down in the, in the uh, aisles. Well, and, people uh, think every place, every uh, event has these set-aside tickets, and you've probably got 40 waiting for that's true. Right. They do. They probably but they do, think that. do they have that the places? Or? <laughs> well, this is probably a theater, right? Is yes. A theater? Yeah. So every seat's accounted for. Pretty much. And you're not going to be able to squeeze anybody in. I the know. Aisle. So don't ask me. In fact, you know what? Scrape that whole thing. No phone calls. <laughs> Here's Joe Nolan with seventy-seven WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Nice. Maybe Billy will be there tonight. I don't know. Billy Joel, New York State of Mind. Quickly, the uh, ceremonial first pitch came one tonight's World Series. The Rangers and the Diamondbacks in Texas. I'll give you a hint. The last time this guy threw out a first pitch, it was in the Bronx. Maybe the most famous ceremonial first pitch ever. Okay, got it. His family owned the Texas Rangers baseball team for many, many years. He was the 43rd president of the United States. Trump hates him. <laughs> George Bush. Yankees Diamondbacks will throw out the first pitch later on tonight. But I won't be there to see it because I'll be at the Paramount Theater, Huntington, Long Island, with my dear friend, the iconic great Bill O'Reilly. And I hope to see many of you folks listening right now, like Frankie Kravitz, out there later on tonight. Great week of shows. Lou Rapino, tremendous. Norm Layden, always great. Rich Rod of Valley filling in for... Justin Ellick, that was great work the last two days. Thank you very much. Thank you. You were great. Great. But we're done. God willing, as Gene would say, we'll all be back at 6 a.m. on a Monday morning for another week of great shows. Sitting friends in the morning. See you tonight, everybody. Huntington, Long Island, Paramount Theater. I leave you with these three words, as I always do. Pray for Israel. I've seen all the movie stars. Their fancy cars and their limousines Bit high in the Rockies Under the Evergreens I know what I'm needing And I don't want to waste more time I'm in a New York state of mind